Hey, all you ghouls out there, this is Christopher from the Black Lagoon. Before we get started on our actual podcast, we're going to talk about our fiends and sponsors. Able Ebenezer Brewing Company in Merrimack, New Hampshire is where we and our friends at pod- and podcast family members Road Soda record. The brewery self-distributes in the southern New Hampshire area and has a taproom and beer garden you can visit. For a list of where the beers are available and taproom hours, go to ableebenezer.com. Good evening, all you creepy peeps. This is Reanimator Rob here, and Road Soda is a weekly podcast hosted by Mike, the head brewer and co-founder of Able Ebenezer Brewing Company, and Brendan, distributor for Able Ebenezer and founder of the Litter Crew. They discuss current events, have interesting conversations, all while reviewing a beer. They drink while you drive. Check them out every Monday wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, my ghosts and ghouls. It's Meg the Mortician here, reminding you to not litter. One of my many hats I wear is being the event coordinator for the New Hampshire Litter Crew. Be sure to find us on our social media at NH Litter Crew and find our Facebook to find out about our next Litter Crew event coming near you. episode of the monster talk podcast season one episode six and today since we are uh, going to be releasing this on the week of halloween we will be reviewing an all-time classic called halloween from 1978 Ooh, yeah. <laughs> obviously there's loads to talk about with this movie so i'd like to introduce my co-hosts meg the mortician and reanimator Rob. Since the uh, last recording, we haven't seen each other in about a week or so. Yeah. So, what have you guys been up to this week? So, um, I have caught up on American Horror Story. Um, awesome. You know, it's the double feature. So, I, I do agree. I think, Chris, you mentioned it kind of ended abruptly the first part. So, um, I, I didn't so much mind the ending of the first half, mm-hmm. but... Once I saw the first episode of the second half, I was like a little hopeful, but then I yeah. felt like huh, I don't know if I'm getting into this one. Okay, that's fair. I mean, like I I thought it was interesting. You know, it is a little different, obviously, than the first half, but it's still you know it's kind of creepy. You know, you know the first theme, as some people know, is like vampires, and then the uh, other theme is like alien, but so. And then um, I did, uh, let's see, I watched The Omen, the original, nice. with my co- shout cool. out to my coworker Sammy for hosting a spooky girls night. Um, we watched The Omen. Did you like we, it? It was good. Yeah, it was good. Um, it was super creepy. Um, this is my first time watching it, so glad I did. It was good. Um, and then the other night I watched Insidious 2. Oh, cool. So I've seen the first one, and then I watched the second one the other night, and um that one get that that series gets me, you know. I have not seen any. It's of pretty them. good. <laughs> so now you're gonna have to watch Omen two. I guess so. I know there's so many sequels in horror it, movies. And Omen three with Sam Neill. Oh my god! <laughs> I and then I purchased um, the other day at Target. I sent you guys a picture, but I found um, the Children of the Corn collection. I love that. Has everyone except number one? 
Oh, so, of course. Of course. Come on. That's so Netflix. Oh, God. Yeah, so <laughs> I'll have to get number one on DVD just to complete the collection, but I have two through seven or There's whatever. a reason why you should separate one from the rest, but... Mm, <laughs> Outlander. Outlander. So you also sent us a... You found like a Children of the Corn costume. Was that... Didn't you send Was us... Was it Children of the Corn or... I thought you had like a... You, yeah, I thought you found a Children of the Corn costume or maybe that was just the DVD cover of the movie. I, I think it was just the DVD it cover. It might have just been the DVD cover. Because <laughs> um, that would be pretty cool like with the Children of the Corn costume like with the sickle. Oh, you know why, Rob? I'm holding a witch hat in the photo. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that's why you were like, oh my God, Meg found a Children of the Corn costume. So I can say you could wear that for <laughs> Halloween and Thanksgiving. There you go. Yeah, because they're basically pilgrims like the way they dress. So. Well, they're just like kids are like in midwestern clothing of that time and just yeah. it's just all dirty because nobody's doing laundry out and facts yeah <laughs> they're not using technology they're kids they're not doing laundry <laughs> but yeah that's all i've pretty much been up to um today's my birthday guys yes. happy, <laughs> birthday. happy birthday thank you <laughs> but other than that that's pretty much it for me so i don't know about you but i Definitely had to go out and see Halloween Kills. As did I. Yeah, and what did you think? I liked the last one better, but this one was so close to it. Yeah. It was just, like, intense the whole time. Yeah. But I think for the trilogy, quote-unquote, that yeah. they're making as the continuation to the original Halloween, yeah. and, of course, skipping the original Halloween 2, they, they did an awesome job. I thought all the little Easter eggs yeah. and the cameos oh, were yeah. fantastic. Definitely. So, yeah, no spoilers here, of course, especially yeah. since we're talking about a movie that's in theaters and as I we speak. Seen right. it. But, um, no, so I saw it with my friend Christopher Robert Blank and his roommate Paul, and um, there was also a bunch of really good trailers um, for, like, the new Scream movie that's coming out and this other movie called Black Bone and just a bunch of really good upcoming horror movies. I saw a trailer for Black Phone on YouTube. Mm. That looks really good. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. I did see the new Scream trailer. Um, when I saw Halloween Kills, they released the new Matrix trailer, which looks pretty cool. Oh. Yeah. I don't I... like the title because it's like Resurrections. I'm like, oh, come on. You can't be like <laughs> just loaded just... again or <laughs> next software. Where's the or creativity? Yeah. <laughs> Matrix 2.7. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but um, and I just been uh, getting a lot of um, I, I am in the process of trying to catch up to American Horror Story. I'm, I'm in the alien part of it and mm-hmm. a lot of people you know are a fan of it but i haven't gotten all the way through it yet but i mean so far right. it's okay i mean I, yeah. I do i do like the whole alien thing anyway so i think i'm gonna just try to just make it through yeah and um but just i'm getting a lot of good feedback my friend christine mistretta um she loved our recent dolls podcast and she sent me a photo of like a porcelain doll her family inherited that's like been sitting on a box in her basement that's just, like, scaring the crap out of her family. Oh, wow. I just got a chuckle out of that. I mean, Christine, I'll add it to the guest bedroom at my house, which I also (laughs) posted pictures of on our podcast. Yeah, Christine, if you don't want that doll, Chris will gladly take it. And because we grew up together, she she's from Peabody originally, and and she was telling me about this Deacon Giles distillery in Salem, and um, I was looking on the history of that, and that was, like, really cool um, about... Back in the day, in the 1830s, there was a distiller named Deacon John Stone um, who pr- produced spirits. And then this deacon, uh, this reverend, was said he had a dream about 
this and it was all you know all made up and it mm-hmm. was about this um he said it's about this distiller named um deacon giles who basically was so mean to his employees they left and he he rehired some new em- or he hired some new employees not realizing they were demons and oh. and um and it turned out it was really just a a dig at this you know uh distiller and he ended up suing him for libel and winning and so they turned it into a uh you know they have a distillery now that's just got all the history there and then they have yeah a bunch of events and they have a speakeasy down there and and um there's a bunch of like history um articles on it and some really cool like drawings from like the reverend who like drew these drawings from his dream and i was like i definitely need to check this place out i thought it was really cool i know i sent it to you and um but yeah so i definitely want to check that place out especially like this time of year in salem and halloween yeah if you're not from the new england area we know to stay away from salem mass or anywhere (laughs) near there from even september through october literally anywhere else have at it anytime Mm. else in the seat in the year i should say have at it but this october like don't like think of new year's eve at like new york city and like big places where they drop the ball like that's salem mass oh yeah it's a smaller city than you think it is yeah and all the hotels sell out for the month of october oh yeah it's crazy it's crazy leaf peepers hocus pocus fans any fans in general of witches witchcraft and history and it's ghosts. so busy it is oh, I, yeah. I avoid it being growing up from down there and, yeah. and but i definitely want to check out that deacon jealous distillery just because of that cool history and, and no it sounds like sure. a fun yeah. field trip we I should mean, go <laughs> even people that live in salem can't leave their house almost like oh yeah <laughs> yeah i know it's <laughs> like crazy they can't go grocery shopping at certain hours of the day because traffic is so packed oh yeah everybody forest. everybody i mean uh forget about it and um right? And so my friend uh, Gaetano Zanelli also, he sent me a text. I'm watching Dolls. He went, at, him and his uh, husband, Michael Jura, uh, they went to Hawaii for vacation this week. So they were watching Dolls on a on the plane to Hawaii. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, that just sounds like a movie right there. And uh, that could be like a sequel with the dolls attacking people on the plane. It's like it starts off that's with a... them watching it on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> and my friend Steve Irish, um, he's... He's a, a, a really good writer, and he actually said, so you like horror movies, and I haven't talked to him in a while. And mm-hmm. so he sent me a, a novella, a horror novella, that he, he uh, is working on, and it's oh, cool. really good. And um, my friend Jimmy Pritchard finally watched the movie Phenomena, which everybody knows is my favorite. So mm. I'm just getting like so much good feedback. So I just wanted to say like thank you guys because it's awesome. Yeah, I love it. I've noticed a lot that um, since we've been doing this podcast that it's been humbling at best that seeing you guys watch movies, um, suggest movies for us to watch. And yeah. So it, it's it's awesome because I know as a fan of other podcasts and, and things that are alike, it inspires me to watch things or play video games or whatever it is I'm, I'm looking at. So uh, we thank you guys very much. Like, oh, thank you. My brother, Jamie, who just, um, he just flew in from Florida today and surprised my mom. Oh, oh nice. nice. Um, he's never seen any of the Halloweens. So the oh. other day he's like, I'm going to start the adventure. And then I gave him the choose your own adventure picture. It's like, so you can do Halloween one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or you can do Halloween just Rob zombies, or you can do Halloween and then Halloween 2018, then Halloween kills. So, and then, Someone wrote an X over Halloween 3. I'm no. like, no, 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 no. Do watch that. 
It's, I love it, Halloween. It has three. such a it's part stigma. of the journey. <laughs> it is, and and it wasn't meant to be totally separated from the Michael Myers universe because there are Easter eggs to the first Halloween, which actually I believe they do watch the uh, first Halloween in that movie at they one do. point. So, oh. so for all those out there that have not seen Halloween three, do watch Halloween three. It is awesome, and Tom Atkins is in it. And <laughs> who can't resist Tom Atkins? <laughs> and and just and just for the Silver Shamrock theme song alone, it's it's worth it because that will get in inside your head so quick it's it's funny how a jingle from a movie is like stuck in your head like a jingle from like you know an actual commercial on tv right because you know i'm going to be posting that on halloween it's the, <laughs> the silver shamrock commercial jingle on halloween because it's just so catchy yeah and they like remade it into like a techno version too so <laughs> <laughs> so uh what about you chris uh, let's see. So I've been continuing on with my uh, 31 Days of Halloween. Yes. Or 31 Days of Horror, which been following. if you follow me on Instagram at, at Xtifer Walter, that's like Christopher Walter, all one word, but X instead. Um, so obviously on the 12th, uh, we watched Lights Out for that podcast that we recorded. So the next day, I uh, continued on with this journey with A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. Mm, uh, nice. The day after that... Um, I watched Teen Wolf, all <laughs> hung over from the uh, Bruins home opener. Nice. Um, then on the 15th is when I saw Halloween Kills. So Ooh. I saw it that Friday. Was it that I see it that Friday? Yeah. I can't remember. I saw, yeah, we both saw it I, on the same In the day. group chat, you guys were like, I'm here watching Halloween Kills. I'm here. And I was like, I'm not watching it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we weren't going to spoil anything for you anyway. I appreciate that. But <laughs> you were smart. You, you, got, you, you saw it at Chunky's, so. It was like half full. Like, the one in Manchester, New Hampshire, was completely sold out. And we were mm. talking about going to Tingsboro. But I'm like, well, if, we ha- if we're getting drinks, we're, like, literally a two-minute drive from this one. It's not like we were going to go get hammered yeah. at the movie theater. but No, but Chunky says, like, pretty good food. But yeah. we could also walk there, too, if we really wanted to. Cause it was kind of warm last Friday. You probably could have, yeah. <laughs> um, for the 16th, I watched Hubie Halloween. So you guys inspired yeah. me to actually pick up some movies. I actually liked it. So I need to it watch that. It wasn't the best Adam Sandler movie, but no. goddamn the Easter eggs in it. Mm. Like, I was it's, so happy from all the things that they pull from, like, Happy Gilmore. It's a feel-good Halloween yeah, movie for sure. And Billy Madison. So if you love those two movies, you're going to mm. enjoy all those little And they Easter did eggs. film it down in, like, Danvers area. So they yeah. filmed part of it in Nashua, New Hampshire yeah. at the Fright Kingdom. Fright Kingdom, yes. Yeah. yeah, so yep. all the indoor stuff. I think it's the indoor the haunted, um, house haunted house scene. Yes. I know, right? But all everything else was in Salem. Yeah. Uh, then I watched Children of the Corn on the 17th, the original. Um, the 18th, I watched Witchboard. Um, I've never heard of that one, but it, the, the, sorry, the like picture you posted about that movie, that looked really cool. Mm. I've never uh, heard of that one. It's about, um, about these, this couple, they have a party and the, um, the wife or the girlfriend's friend comes in with a Ouija board and they summon a spirit. And why do people think that's a party game? I feel uh, like that's a legit thing. But he, <laughs> he leaves the Ouija board there and she starts getting obsessed with the Ouija board. Oh. And he's like a professor of the occult and everything. Oh, my God. And he explains that, you know, if you release a spirit and over time it can possess a person. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, you know, so I won't ruin any part of the movie. No, for no but, but like, but I'm just saying, like, people treat it like a, a game. So and it's I, a thi- I think it's a thing. No, a I, real thing. So, like, sometime soon, I'm going to tell you my real life Ouija board story. I because can't wait for it that. It's freaky. Yes. Okay. Awesome. And then 
the 19th, which, Rob, you recommended to me, I watched Tales from the Crypt. Oh, The original ooh. 1972 Did you like anthology. It? I liked it a lot. Yeah. Nice. And I just want to say, if you don't follow me, um, I thought one of the best segments, um, Peter Cushing's mm. segment, his zombie, if you remember how a zombie looks like, and then if you, when you watch Creep Show, you know how they show you like stills from the comic book? Yeah. He looks exactly like Nathan Grantham. Right. And I was like, this is awesome. And then the wraparound story, I was just like, whoa. I know. <laughs> it's whoa. a great flick. And yeah, it's it's awesome. I want I got to research this, but I think um, the last segment with the blind school, you know, that's like this one blind guy that's been more like kind of leads the army of blind. Mm-hmm. I think he's the old man in A Clockwork Orange but I have oh. to research that. So don't yeah. quote me, but I was like, oh, he's he's the guy that gets assaulted by yeah. Alex and then later on he gets his revenge or whatever. Ah. Yeah, there's so, that guy. so many good stories in that. And then of course, for the 20th, tonight's podcast, the original Halloween. Um, like I said, I went and saw the Bruins. Actually, that was more Saturday night, was the Bruins. Um, watched their home opener. And that was a great time. It was just nice to be out and see an actual hockey game. My other, one of my other passions. Mm-hmm. And then one more thing happened this week that I have not told you guys about. So this is oh. a surprise. Oh. I have seen the drawing so far for the new logo for the podcast. <gasps> so there's a lot of little, little bits of it that need to be worked on mm-hmm. and some changes that we've, that I saw and were Sadie's making. Um, so Sadie works here at Abel Ebenezer as a bartender. She's part-time right now. You can find her Instagram at little B designs. Yeah. It's, um, at little underscore B three designs. Thank you. Sorry. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, she's been doing, um, logo and can artwork for 603 brewing, which she also works at. Uh, she also does stuff for two share and she's done some of, our um artwork for Here, a Abel can or two of ours yeah. so awesome so check out her artwork it's really awesome and um we can't wait to share it with you guys and uh i'm excited we're gonna release it um we're not gonna announce it here on the podcast because obviously podcasts are time sensitive and we'll release it on our um social media sites for you guys to see and obviously i gotta make a lot of changes when we get a new logo Yay. so we will make sure to do that yeah. ooh, ooh. awesome thank you sadie thanks sadie thank you and for more news, we're going to go to the autopsy report with reanimator Rob. Good evening, reanimator Rob with the autopsy report. So this week, I am pretty much hitting it hard on Halloween. I do want to mention a, a movie that's coming out October 29th. So filmmaker Edgar Wright's psychological horror movie, Last Night in Soho, is being released in U.S. theaters October 29th from Universal Pictures and Focus Features. It's a time-bending thriller that goes between the 60s, London, and present day. This is Wright's first movie in four years. Um, Last Night in Soho had its world premiere at the 78th Venice International Film Festival September 4th. And it's also scheduled to be released in Ireland and the UK the same day as the United States. The film has received generally positive reviews from critics, although the screenplay received polarized reception. And the cast includes Thomas and Mackenzie, Anya Taylor-Joy, Matt Smith, and Tarrett Stamp. 
So I did see the trailer at that when I went to see Halloween Kills mm-hmm. and it looked pretty good. I kind of got like a, a little bit of a David Lynch vibe in the trailer. So, Oh, very cool. Yeah. And so speaking of Halloween Kills, get ready. Michael Myers <laughs> is killing it at the box office. Oh. Boom. <laughs> So Halloween Kills is uh, the new installment in the long-running slasher franchise, and it took in $50.4 million at the domestic box office on its first weekend, opening October 15th, uh, according to Variety. That came in below the $76 million pre-pandemic debut of the film's 2018 predecessor. Mm-hmm. But it was still considered a strong start for the horror sequel, especially given it's also available to stream on Peacock at no additional charge to subscribers. It's crazy. Oh. I think on Xfinity, if you have Xfinity, you can just watch it for free. I have also, to look into that then. But I don't want to do that if I can go see it at the theater. Sorry. Yeah. I like <laughs> seeing a, a new movie at the theater if I can. Right. Absolutely. I even yeah. have gone and watched the movie we're reviewing tonight, the original Halloween at the movie theater, just, just to have that feel. Yeah, oh yeah, true. I think it was totally worth it to see it in the in the movie theater. And um, so Halloween Kills had the best three day domestic debut of any horror movie released during the pandemic. That record was previously held by A Quiet Place Part Two, which opened to forty seven point five million dollars mm. over three days in May. So that's a pretty good start. And um, speaking of Halloween, and if you've seen Halloween Three, you're gonna get this. So it's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking, and um, NightmareToys.com and Metzco Toys is um, releasing some new toys uh, for Halloween Three, and it's based on their based on the appearance in the movie Halloween Three: Season of the Witch, and it's um, a, a box set that features three trick or treaters seen in the film: the witch, the skeleton, and the jack o' lantern. Each trick or treater features an all new head sculpt of their respective silver shamrock masks and each comes with a trick-or-treat bag that they can hold in their right hand. Each trick-or-treater stands 10 inches tall and features five points of articulation and they're packaged together in a window box perfectly for display. Don't miss it and don't forget to wear your favorite mask. (laughs) And the pre-order is $119.99. So I thought that was a pretty cool... um, it looked really cool when I was looking at it online. It's definitely more affordable than the uh, figure you talked leather about face. last. Yeah, the, the leather face, face figure you talked about last week. Yeah, mm. and, and so while you're at it, I mean, why not get ready for Christmas too? So, so Trick or Treat Studios and Universal Universal Studios are, are proud to present the official Halloween Three Season of the Witch Holiday Horrors Three Pack Ornament Three Pack, sculpted by Alexander Ray. These ghoulish ornaments are made in resin, and quote, meticulously painted to perfection. In addition, the ornaments come in a beautiful collector's window box. Each ornament is approximately two inches, perfect for your car, house, office, and of course, your holiday tree. And Halloween 3 is a a trademark and and copyright of Universal Studios, of course, and you can pre-order that, um, and it's available on Halloween, uh, 1031 for $39.99. So if you want to get your, your tree a little spooky vibe then that would be nice. pretty cool. Yeah. So speaking of Halloween, it's all about the candy too, right? So <laughs> according to Forbes.com, and, and they're quoting uh, sales data collected by CandyStore.com, which is a bulk candy retailer that has been satisfying America's sweet tooth since 2007, each state has its own favorite treat. 
But Reese's Cups are America's favorite Halloween candy for 2021. So the, America loves Reese's Cups, but each state has their own separate favorite candy. So mm-hmm. Skittles, M&M's, Starburst, and Hot Tamales round out the top five. And Candy Store has been compiling results by comparing how many pounds of, of candy uh, it has sold over the past 14 years. Oh. So according to the National Retailers Foundation annual holiday spending survey, around $3 billion is expected to be spent on candy this year, with more than $10 billion expected to be spent on the entire holiday. Although Reese's Peanut Butter Cups were America's favorite overall, it didn't win the most states. So Starburst and Sour Patch Kids were the top candies in six states, including Alabama, Idaho, Indiana, Michigan, South Dakota, and Texas, while Sour Patch Kids were preferred in Alaska, Illinois, Maine, Massachusetts, Nebraska, and New York. Reese's and M&M's were tops in five states each, followed by Tootsie Pops, which was the most popular candy in four states. So that's a lot about candy, guys. Yeah, seriously. And, that's and, too much, and I feel like it's all incorrect. <laughs> hey. Not, I, I don't think I've ever... That's just my, my opinion. I, I feel don't think like, I've ever had a hot tamale candy. I've, yeah, they're all right. They're like Mike and Ike's, but a little, little more like cinnamony. So you get that little yeah. cinnamon spice to Got it. it. I just don't understand how it made it to top five. I know, right? <laughs> I thought it was worth sharing, though, because it is Halloween. And, and so, and, and they also talk about one, what is undoubtedly the most divisive issue in America at this time of year, candy corn. And it remains both loved and loathed. So despite being the country's 10th most popular sweet, candy store also named it the worst Halloween candy having knocked off the dreaded circus peanuts a few years ago. Oh, circus peanuts. <laughs> Nobody Ew. talks about circus peanuts. Wait, right. so who here, who here loves and who here loathes candy corn? Does anyone want to start? If, if anyone's seen, um, um, was it um, comedian John Lewis's stand-up about candy corn? I agree with him. If it's just around, I'm like, oh, I'll have a few. And then I remember like, oh, yeah, this isn't like great, but I still, I'll still pick at them. And then okay. you also have... The same style candy, but in little pumpkins. Right. Those. I enjoy them. I won't eat a ton of them, yeah. but I, I don't go out to buy a package of candy corn. Correct. I can take it or leave it. I don't like candy corn, <laughs> and I don't really like those little pumpkins. <laughs> I feel like they're a lie. Like, they look delicious, but then you eat them, and it's a lie. Like, it's just like a, a it's like an eraser or something. I just, like they're not, I don't know. They're not for me, so I'm a loather. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I just thought it was fun to talk about candy because, you know, and, and they say that if you don't want your toilet, uh, your house toilet paper this year, avoid these treats. Of course, candy corn, circus peanuts, Necco wafers, wax Coke bottles, Mary Jane's, black licorice. Some people love black licorice. And um, New Hampshire. They're Scandinavian. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And so they were saying that the um, New Hampshire, they, they, they have the top three. Any guesses? But the favorite Is candy? Reese's? I'm going to say M&M's. You top. got it. M&M's. Oh, thanks. Fi- 50, I don't know, 65,000 pounds. And then followed by Starburst and Jolly Ranchers. So who knew? Um, and speaking of Halloween, so costumes. According to the annual survey conducted by the National Retail Federation and Prosper Insights and Analytics, 46, 46% of people plan on dressing up in costume this year. And around 25% of parents will take their children trick-or-treating 
and 20% say their parents will wear costumes. They'll, they'll actually say their pets will pets will wear costumes on the day of Halloween. <laughs> and the na- the highest national ranked costume for 2021 is a witch, according to Google Data Trends on the pl- uh, planet Frightgeist. Animal costumes are another popular category, making up 11% of all costume searches. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to try to dress up my cat. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and... Um, so, yeah, I thought that was other top costume searches in the United States include Chucky, a fairy and a dinosaur and comic book costs, uh, comic book character costumes make up about 10 percent of searches on Google. So another, you know, so children, the top five costumes are Spider-Man, Princess, Batman, Superhero and Witch. And for adults, it's a witch, vampire, ghost, a cat, a cat and a pirate and then pets. Apparently, uh, pumpkin, hot dog, superhero, bumblebee, and ghost. So <laughs> that's a quite a collection. I know, right? <laughs> but Crazy. I feel like, for, like for people, like being a cat or something is just—it's easy. Yeah, it's a black shirt and a pair of ears and maybe a tail. If you, can I had to think yeah, about and then you that. can just make up on like um, whiskers. So yeah, and so finally, I just wanted to do a trick or treat PSA. Um, so the Teal Pumpkin Project is an awareness campaign encouraging non-food treats and Halloween to support children with allergies and. Um, also autism and foster inclusion on the holidays. So, you know, they suggest other tr- um, non-food treats such as glow sticks, bracelets, necklaces, noisemakers, spider rings, vampire fangs, etc. And so the Blue Bucket Initiative is an effort for families to bring awareness to better help neighbors know how to identify trick-or-treat treaters on the autism spectrum. Uh, nonverbal children and adults with autism may not be able to say trick-or-treat or make eye contact with ones giving out the candy or may cover the ears when noise becomes overwhelming. So if you see a trick-or-treater with a, a light blue um, pumpkin-like c- candy container mm-hmm. or um, a dark blue, that those are indications. So We already planted that at my house because I yeah. just got a house in a new neighborhood. So we already have Halloween decorations up. So we're like, oh, yeah, we, so we got to give out candy this year. And um, I got a big, like, cauldron-looking bucket from yeah. um, Spirit of Halloween. And we we're just like, yeah, we bought like 40 bucks worth of big bags of candy so, and glow sticks. So that way the kids that can't have that have diabetes or um, some sort of allergies, they can at least have something to take away. Yeah. yeah who doesn't so. love? I love glow sticks I, personally. I love this initiative. Um, I just think it's it would be weird. So like, I don't know me personally, if I like I live in an apartment, so we don't mm. really do candy. But like if if a if a little kid can't doesn't say trick-or-treat i'm not gonna not give them candy Hmm. you know i would just give you know i would assume they are shy or whatever Hmm. i love that like you know they're like this initiative is like to let them know but like i think realistically if you're not giving a little kid candy because they don't say trick-or-treat i think that's something internal you know (laughs) you're just a mean person (laughs) i think that yeah but like i do love that i love that they're like it's like oh oh, spreading awareness as well yeah i mean promoting inclusion as well yes but yeah if you're not giving a little kid candy because they didn't say trick-or-treat i'm gonna find you and I'm going to I'm I'm going to take your candy, man. Yeah, they're, they're, those are probably the mean <laughs> ladies that put the razor blades in the apples and oh are, are, are give out dimes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Or the people that hand out toothbrushes or like <laughs> Cape Cod potato chips, which I don't care at my age now. Like I love, I love Cape a good Cod, chip, good chip. But <laughs> yeah. as a little kid, I'm just like, what the hell? I know. I, right? See, I didn't love popcorn balls as a kid. Oh, oh. Those. they weren't. They're never. They're not easy to eat. 
because like it's popcorn compacted into a ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially right now with the whole COVID thing, no one's handing out those um, plastic gloves full of popcorn in with the uh, oh, definitely not that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, This I feel like everything's gonna be all individually wrapped. Like for our our movie viewing on the twenty fourth, which this will be coming out right afterwards. Like I got individually wrapped um, bags of pretzels. Mm. So yeah. Yeah, you gotta. That's another thing too with the whole COVID thing. But yeah, try to keep things kosher and safe for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, different strokes for different folks, as I always right. say. Yeah, I always ended up having that one neighbor that gave you that apple or that nickel or something. And yeah, I don't know. That's okay. I said, aren't but... you a little bit old to go trick or treating? How dare you? And you're like, no, right? But anyway, that's yeah, that's my my news report. I just wanted to talk about. You know, the Halloween Kills movie and everything, pretty much all Halloween this week, so. Absolutely. Well, this, like I said, this this is going to be released on the week of Halloween, so makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you. Just the facts with Reanimator Rob. Now, on to our biggest question. We have the question of the week with Mm. Meg the Mortician. It's Meg the Mortician here with Meg's Undertaking Question of the Week. So, I thought this week I would mix it up on you guys a little bit. I thought, do you want to play a game? (laughs) Do you want to play a game? Sorry, that was my best uh, jigsaw impression. It's not that good. Well, either way, we don't have a choice. We're here. Yes, you can't leave this room. No. Rob and I are in a room. Oh, boy. Is this, this going to be like an escape game or something? Uh, no. So I thought in... Um, so today, I believe it was today, um, Ice Nine Kills released their um, second Silver Scream album, Welcome to Horrorwood. Oh. So... Pretty much all of the songs are based off like a horror movie. Mm. So I thought I could list off the the song name and we can play like a little game. I can keep points. Um, but I'm going to list off like the song name from the first album and then the second album and then see if you can guess the movie that the song is like named after. Gotcha. So like I was thinking three points if you get it just by the name. And then, like, two points if you want me to, like, give you a little bit of, a like, hint. the lyrics. Yeah, like, a little hint. So, like little whoever wins, what do we get? A beer! Because <laughs> <laughs> well, we're at question, a brewery! How many, how, many, um, how many questions are there? Um, I thought I would just do, like, maybe, like, f- four from the first album and then four from the second album. Like just. So, do you want to ask, like, me first and it'd be, like, double dare if I can't get it and pass it on? <laughs> Hmm. I didn't think that far, but then if I'll have you to want do the to physical do that. challenge and the f- like the mo- like the game show Double Dare. Yeah, we'll do uh, to start off. Rob and I will do one round of um, rock paper scissors. There you go. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I was just uh, I just thought like I would go through. And we'll do like deceive, pumpkin knife but... candle. <laughs> oh, I like that. Oh man. Yeah, but no, yeah. I figured we could play a little game. So I'll start with the first album, The Silver Screams, and I will just list off um you know a couple and then i figured <laughs> they're pl- you can't see but they're playing rock they're playing pumpkin candle knife here in the studio yeah um but yeah cool. i can keep yeah, right <laughs> sorry we were uh we were playing rock paper scissors we he figured we ended with just one so we both All tied right. with scissors and then after that 
I uh yeah, I won with rock over scissors. Awesome. All right, well Damn I'll it. keep track of like who gets what. So <laughs> all right, so I'm going to try to pick like some of the harder ones, um, and then also have some easy ones for this first album. So um I'll just go like if you both guess it right, you'll both get a point. We'll kind of just do it like that. Well, if I say the answer, then he already knows it. Oh, okay. If I get it wrong, he gets a chance. There you go. And if we both get it wrong, it's just flat out. And then that it's his turn okay. for the next question. And then if he gets it wrong, I get a chance at there it. There we go. Awesome. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start with kind of an easy one. So... Okay, so this is from their first album, The Silver Screams, which I did send this to you guys when we first started this podcast. You so did. We'll see if you I remember. remember. Okay, so the jig is up. I'm going to guess that's Saw. And Rob, what is your guess? Saw. So yes, those, that is right. So that's, that song is based off Saw. So points. three i said three points yeah anyway all right okay this one is a little bit this one's a little bit harder um freak flag Hmm. and let me know if you guys want a hint it'll just be less points i'm just gonna pull up the lyrics while you're contemplating freak flag is it my turn or your turn Whoever wants to guess first. I'll let you have the first go. Um, dare. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Freak flag. Um, Double dare. (laughs) Hint? Okay. So I'm going to read, like, the chorus. Um, So, okay. So it goes, and let your freak flags fly. Um, We're all messed up inside and forced to act like everything's all right wave those freak flags high rejected till we die to hell with tomorrow just let your freak flags fly tonight no, no. i'll take Ooh, the I physical stumped, challenge i stumped you guys <laughs> yeah. so that one is actually um based off the devil's rejects i have oh i've only uh, seen devil's rejects yeah. once ever oh. So, yes, so that one was a hard one. That was no wicked one, hard. No, yeah. no points for, for anybody on that one. We apologize for anyone getting mad over that. <laughs> no worries. Okay, I will give, I think I'll give an easy one now. Um, thank God it's Friday. Friday the 13th. Chris, what's your answer? I'm going to have to go Friday. It's, it's the only so, one that makes sense. Yep. Yep, it's Friday the 13th. Good job. Good job, gang. Okay. And then one more from the first album. All right. Let's go with... A Grave Mistake. Hmm. Based off a movie. I'm going to say Pet Cemetery. Okay. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> okay, Pet Cemetery. It's actually the crow. Oh, get it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That also makes sense. He died. Tricky, yeah. tricky. Okay, so now I'm gonna do a couple of the a couple like four songs from the new album. So the Silver Scream Two, Welcome to Horrorwood. So that one just came out today. Check out Ice Nine Kills. Also, Ice Nine Kills. If you want to be on our podcast, let us know. Just kidding. <laughs> 
All right. Some of these have yet to be confirmed, um, and I'm going to try to avoid those ones. But let's go. All right. So I'm going to give you one, and you're going to give me a guess, or you're going to ask for a hint. All right. Assault and batteries. I'm going to go with child's play. Yes. Child's play. Yes. It's child's play. That's a good one. Yep. If you haven't listened to it, Chris, I think you'd like that song. Pretty good. Awesome. Okay. The next one. Gonna go with the box. Oh, that's Hellraiser. Yes. Okay. Yep, that one. Okay, that one was easy. Dang, I need to pick a hard one. Hmm. Let's go with Farewell to Flesh. Um Videodrome. Do you have a guess, Chris? Or do you want a hint? Well, there's... What is it? Um, Because Videodrome, it's long lived a new flesh. Yeah. Can we phone a friend? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, like I said, I can read like some of the lyrics. What was the name of the, of the of Farewell the... to Flesh? Let me. I'll specify by saying the two is like a Roman numeral two. So farewell to flesh. I feel like this is another Hellraiser, but. Is that your final answer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just go with that. So it's actually Candyman. Farewell oh, to the Flash. Ooh, gosh. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right, maybe should I end on an easy one or should I end on a hard one? That was a good one. Uh, do another hard one to end on. All right, let's go with... Okay, so this one's called Funeral Derangements. Hmm. The only thing I can think of is, like, Phantasm. That's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> Are we locked in? Locked in. So this one, Funeral Derangements, this is actually Pet Cemetery. Oh, okay. That makes no sense. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. But it was kind of fun. Um, I want to say you guys are tied. We are. And I think you both got like nine points. Oh. You got three questions right. So what do we do now? Arm wrestle? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you want. He'll win. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought that was a little fun because like yeah. when I first heard their first album, The Silver Screams, you know, trying to figure out which movie is which mm. song was fun. And so the second one, these kind of are speculation but some of them have been confirmed because of the music videos that come out or like the artwork they post hmm. um, that confirms that that is based that song is based off that movie. Oh, um, cool. So there are a handful that haven't really been confirmed and that are still um, up to uh, interpretation, I suppose, for now. Um, but yeah, I was just excited that the new album came out, so I wanted to share that and i thought this game was fun because you guys are pretty good at horror movies and whatnot but that was a fun game i yeah. felt like i was on a radio yeah. show for a minute there right <laughs> i wish I, I had what background jeopardy music or something 
But yeah. Thank you. Awesome. So yeah, that was my little undertaking segment this week. Not really a question, just kind of a fun game. The a band I'm fond of that do you know songs about horror movies. Very oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you. Very Thanks cool. for playing, guys. You did great. <laughs> do I get a box of rice or something? No, you get a beer. Remember, we're <laughs> at a brewery. <laughs> a consolation prize. Consolation prize, definitely. Very good. So, next up, I'll be talking about our record of the week. You like Huey Lewis in the news? They're okay. Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. So, in spirit of Halloween 78 and, of course, of Halloween Kills, I actually... I had another record, as you guys see on your podcast notes, but mm-hmm. I decided to save that for another day because I got the Halloween Kills original motion picture soundtrack from Sacred Bones Records nice. in the mail really quickly. I actually ordered um, a special version of it. This is from Bull Moose Music. So Bull Moose Music is a record store. They sell a lot more than records. They sell novelties. They sell video games. They sell novels, VHS tapes use new you name it they they probably sell it if you like entertainment so a lot of uh halloween kills um records and vinyls are orange wax or black or a mix of orange and black and clear whatever this one is a bull moose exclusive swamp green vinyl which is really cool and i think it's because it's after david gordon green um so if you look up bull moose music on on google or uh I want to give a shout out to Dr. Strange Records, who have an orange variant of it. They're out of Rancho Cucamonga, California. So if you look up Dr. Strange Records, they're also um, re-releasing um, Voodoo Glow Skulls' records on different color vinyls. And if you can get there on a certain day, hopefully it's after this podcast, but um, <laughs> they'll sign the record for you too, which is cool. Oh, awesome. But very cool guys. So I'll read you a little bit about this uh, this record right here. Again, it's from Sacred Bones Records. Uh, look on Google, just Google search Halloween Kills and see if you can find some other cool exclusive variants of it. Um, there's only 500 copies of the Swamp Green vinyl from Bull Moose. Oh. Uh, the soundtrack is the second installment in the new David Gordon Green directed Halloween series. The first series to have John Carpenter's direct involvement since 1982, which is obviously Halloween 2. Nice. Uh, Created by John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, and Daniel Davies, the synth-driven soundtrack takes their mastery of the horror genre to a chilling new level. And this also includes a digital download. Uh, It's a gatefold record, which means that it opens up in the middle, um, and it's basically just what you see in the commercials of Michael Myers stepping out of Laurie Strode's house while it's all on fire. Oh, nice. um, the insert when you pull out the record, it's all three: Lori Strode, her daughter, and her granddaughter in the back of a pickup truck. Um, I threw this on my record player uh, the day I got it, which was pretty much yesterday. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was kind of uh, how can I say this? Um, I, I was just like, you know what? It's a Halloween soundtrack. It's probably all the same, but it's it's really not. I was being very naive about the situation, so I turned it on and. I just really love the Halloween theme and how they remixed it. Mm. It's more okay. of a, like, like reanimator Rob, like you said about the uh, Silver Shamrock. There's like a techno version. Yeah. The new one sounds more like a techno version. So it you does. have, 
you know, like the last Halloween, Halloween 2018, that that theme song, hmm. but there's more of like doom, 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 doom. It's a, like it's had it has this weird. I don't want to. I don't want to say upbeat, but it has more of a beat to it to this one. And uh, I thought the music in the new movie was awesome. Oh yeah, so, cool. And I, I think I did send that to you guys. I I um so usually every Halloween this year I'm going to Spooky Bear. We have a Halloween bonfire and. I do have like a, a full horror movie, like soundtrack that I play, like you oh, know with okay. all the with all the Halloween like songs and stuff. And and one of them, the original Halloween, um, from John Carpenter. I have I do have kind of like a they call it like the uh, the the drum beat version, and it's definitely got like a a much like solid bass drum in there, and it's got it's it's a little bit faster paced, and it's definitely sounds like it's got a little bit more of a techno vibe to it so I, I love those those remixes or those versions where they just maybe crank up the bass a little bit more or and or um pick up the the tempo a little bit i feel like for other movies like for instance jaws it's like oh you're gonna have that same thing in the beginning the same jaws theme or like a star wars you're like you're gonna get the star wars theme from john williams um i was very surprised with the halloween halloween kill soundtrack and i highly suggest it to any collector if you love soundtracks or halloween itself like i said bullmoosemusic.com uh there's only 500 copies ever made of this swamp green vinyl it's really cool and it's also uh see-through as well uh and then dr strange records out in rancho cucamonga like i gave a shout out to i think last week as well but uh obviously gonna give them another shout out this week um or Anyway, call your old, your local record store. They might have a really cool variant of it. So definitely check it out. That's awesome. Awesome. No, I can't wait to see the inside of that. Yeah, I'll show you guys uh, in a little bit. And we'll take pictures. And I already recorded some videos, so I'll post that sometime during this uh, the release of this episode. Awesome. Can't wait. So now we're going to get on to our feature, which is the review of the original Halloween from 1978. Um, this is a pretty big deal because we haven't really reviewed a really big film like this one, like one of the bigs. <laughs> so we decided since it is Halloween, it's our first year, like we got to go over this because there are way many, there are much more Halloween films out there in this franchise that mm. we could space out for a few years if we wanted to. Definitely. And some other Halloween um, themed movies. So, again, this is uh, Halloween from 1978. It is rated R and has a time span of 1 hour 31 minutes. It is directed by John Carpenter, who also, of course, um, directed The Thing, the remake. Uh, They Live and Assault on Precinct 13, just to name a few movies. It was written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, who's gone on to be one of the most... The most... Um, major female producers in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, the cast, I mean, no surprise here. Laurie Strode, played by, played by uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, who is also in Prom Night, Terror Train, and The Fog. Dr. Loomis, uh, played by Donald Pleasance, a veteran actor who was also uh, later in Halloween 2, You Only Live Twice, uh, the 007 movie, and uh, a classic movie, The Great Escape. He was also in one of my favorite horror movies, Phenomena. Absolutely, Ah. yes. (laughs) Good call. Michael Myers. Well, where do we begin? Who played Michael Myers? I know, right? There were um, a lot of times it was whoever was available on set. Mm -hmm. So um, at age six, 
Um, Will Sandon played Michael Myers. Uh, that was his only movie role. He later on became in real life a police officer. Oh, oh interesting. Um, when they did the part in the beginning where he wears his mask, his little clown mask, uh, that was taken uh, over a span of three days, I believe. And it, 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 although it seems like one shot, one long shot, it was actually separated by when he puts on the mask and mm. any time like you just see kind of darkness for a second. Mm. Um, those shots where you see his hand, Deborah Hill played. Right. Um, I did also, read about that. John Carpenter um, has been rumored to have played him on several occasions. Uh, at age 23, um, where you actually um, see his face later in the movie, not a spoiler, but that is played by Tony Moran. Um, he was in Beg, The Unforgivable Force, and Death House, some other movies later on. Nice. Uh, the Shape, which is anytime Michael Myers has his mask on, uh, played by Nick Castle. Mm. Um, so if you see any pictures, um, actually, we posted one of the pictures with him in the Dr. Pepper can. Oh, where he yeah. has the mask kind of like pulled uh, over his head a little bit. Yeah. And he, it looks like the mask is drinking um, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> that was him. Uh, he actually starred in a few other movies afterwards, such as um, The Last Starfighter and Escape from New York. He is also in the latest Halloween movies. Oh. Yes, I did read about that. Annie, um, played by Nancy Loomis, now Keys or Caius, uh, K-Y-E-S. Sorry, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um, she was also later in The Fog, uh, Salt and Precinct 13, and Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Yes. Ah. Linda, she, mm-hmm. played by PJ Souls, was in Rock and Roll High School. So if you love the Ramones, you'll love that movie. Um, Carrie, and she was in one of the best comedies of the 80s, Stripes. That's right. Brackett, um, who's played by Charles Cypress. He's, of course, the sheriff in town. He was also in The Fog. We're noticing a trend here. <laughs> um, Major League and Halloween 2. Hmm. Judith Myers, I added her in here. Um, she is played by Sandy Johnson. Um, she is. Uh, she was a Playboy Playmate. That's right. Hmm. And she went to star in such movies as Hots, H-O-T-S, Gas Pump Girls, and Surfer Girls. <laughs> Good for her. Not as, Pop-off queen. Not as quite as um, A-list movies as the other folks, but... She was in those movies. Um, music by John Carpenter. For mm. those who don't know, John Carpenter is, he's, he's an all-around great instrumentalist. He's a great musician. Mm. Um, I'll tell you some facts about his, uh, the music for this movie and his, uh, his ability. So the synopsis of this movie is a patient from a state mental institution returns home after 15 years to continue his killing spree when he was a child on Halloween night. His targets are a few teenage girls and anyone in his way. Yes. I feel like just about everyone knows that. Right. <laughs> exactly. But, but like I said, my brother, um, Jamie, who just flew in from Florida, he just started watching Halloween movies only a few days ago. He's like, I've never seen them. And hmm. So what, was, what is his feedback so far? He liked them. He yeah. liked them a lot. So with this movie, of course, being as legendary as it is, I have so many pages of fun facts, so <laughs> I'm going to kind of rifle through them and yeah. then we'll go over our thoughts and feelings on those. So, uh, to begin, to get you guys a little bit in the mood to watch this movie, if you haven't seen it or seen it in a long time, mm. John Carpenter considered the hiring of Jamie Lee Curtis as the ultimate tribute to Alfred Hitchcock, who had, who had given his mother, Janet Lee, 
uh, legendary status in Psycho in 1960. Mm. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis on the red carpet for Halloween Kills dressed up like her mother the I way she was that. in Psycho, which yeah. is really it. cool. It's a good tribute. Uh, during the same period, Universal Studio producers and director uh, Richard Franklin were trying to enroll Jamie Lee in the new production of Psycho 2. Ooh. For... From a budget of $300,000, the film went on to gross $47 million at the U.S. box office. In 2008, takings, uh, that would be the equivalent of $150 million, making Halloween one of the most successful independent films mm. of all time. Wow. So not only did it initial release break box office records, but even the newer ones are smashing those as well. Seriously. Um, the dark lighting comes from necessity. The crew didn't have enough money for more lights. I'll explain where all the money went in a little bit. <laughs> Um, the original script was titled The Babysitter Murders, had the events take place all over the space of several days. It was a budgetary decision to change the script to have everything happen on the same day. Doing this reduced the number of costume changes and locations required. And it was decided that Halloween, the scariest night of the year, was the perfect night for this to happen. Not only that, to add on to that, um, Jamie Lee Curtis actually... Oh, actually, all the actors and actresses wore their own clothes to the set, and mm. some of them went to the store to buy their own clothes. Nice. Mm. So all in all, back in 78, they spent about $100 on costumes. Dang. I mean, it's definitely like a grassroots movie. Oh, for sure. Of the female leads, all the girls are supposed to be in high school, only Jamie Lee Curtis was actually a teenager at the time of the shooting. Oh. So Nancy Loomis, or Nancy Caius at the time, and PJ Souls were past high school. Now, this one I thought was really interesting. John Carpenter's intent with the character of Michael Myers was that the audience should never be able to relate to him, which is why I feel like with people like Freddy Krueger and Jason, Chucky, any of those, and even Pinhead, mm. there's something about them that you're like, oh, I kind of see why they're doing things. Mm. With yeah. Michael Myers, you're like, it's a mystery. You don't know. He, ha he doesn't really have a personality. True. And his facial expression is always blank because mm -hmm. he's wearing that mask. Yeah. Right. Now, in the documentary short Halloween Unmasked 2000, uh, which was filmed in 99, it was revealed that the crew had chosen two masks for Michael Myers to decide on. The first was a Don Post Emmett Kelly smiling clown mask that they put frizzy red hair on. This was an homage to how he killed his sister, Judith, in a clown costume. They tested it out and appeared very demented and creepy. The other mask was a 1975 Captain James T. Kirk mask, Star Trek, for those that don't know, um, that was purchased for around a dollar. It had the eyebrows and sideburns ripped off. The face was painted fish belly white, and the hair was spray painted brown. And the eyes were opened up a little more. They tested out the Kirk mask, and the crew decided that it was much more creepy because it was emotionless. Mm. Which, so that... That's based, That's William Shatner who plays Captain Kirk, right? Correct. So, so it was it's a basically Shatner mask. a face, like a yeah, an emotionless William Shatner <laughs> when you when it, you boil it down, which I always <laughs> thought was so funny because people back in the day would wear a mask to portray a character, whereas now it's more makeup, which mm. I think is funny. So when I explained that Deborah Hill played those parts when. Um, Michael Myers at age six was roaming around the house with the mask on. Right. That was because the uh, on the they couldn't get the uh, child actor on the day that they needed him to mm -hmm. for those scenes. So that's why she stepped in for him. Oh. So, as I said, there was a three hundred thousand dollar budget for the movie. Half of that was spent on Panavision cameras, so the film would have a two thirty five to one scope. 
Donald Pleasance was paid $20,000 for five days worth of work. He had about 19 minutes worth of screen time in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Now, um, speaking of which, um, for Dr. Loomis, John Carpenter approached Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee to play the role of Dr. Sam Loomis. Um, obviously, that was played by Donald Pleasance, mm. but both turned him down due to the low pay. Christopher Lee later said that it was the biggest mistake he had ever made in his career. Yeah, mm. I bet. Yeah. I see why. <laughs> Yet he goes on to star in Howling 2. <laughs> good choices. Good choices. Fortunately for him, he was the only good actor in that movie. <laughs> uh, the story is based on um, an experience John Carpenter had in college touring a psychopathic hospital. Carpenter met a child who stared at him with a look of evil, and it terrified him. Dang. Uh, the Halloween theme is written in the rare five-fourths time signature. That's John right. Carpenter learned this rhythm from his father. Halloween was shot in 20 days in the spring of 1978. The stabbing sound effects were actually a knife stabbing a watermelon. <laughs> uh, John Carpenter wrote the role of Linda for PJ Souls after seeing her performance in Brian De Palma's Carrie. Oh. So Carrie helped launch a lot of uh, movie yeah. careers as well. Awesome. All of the actors wore their own clothes, as I, as I mentioned earlier. Deborah Hill wrote most of the dialogue for the female characters while John Carpenter concentrated on Dr. Loomis's speeches. Mm. That's really cool. I, I really like that. Yeah. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis's first feature film, um, that's what this was, she paid. She was paid a reported $8,000 for her efforts. Oh, really? The character Michael Myers was named after the European distributor of Carpenter's previous film, Assault on Precinct 13 from 1976, as a kind of weird thank you for the film's overseas success. In a 2010 documentary, it was revealed that five different people dressed up as the shape uh, Nick Castle throughout the movie, Tony Moran during the unmasking, uh, stuntman James Winburn, another person we didn't mention, um, production designer Tommy Lee Wallace, who would later on go to direct Halloween 2, mm -hmm. and of course Deborah Hill. Uh, Tony stated that no one told him until he arrived on set that he would be wearing a mask, Deborah explained that she happened to bring the costume with her that day and no one else was available for the shot. Speaking of Freddy Krueger, Robert <laughs> England of A Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984, uh, the film series revealed that in an interview with that John Carpenter had him throw bags of dead leaves on set for one day. I'd, How connected is this? I did read about that. I know I'm going on and on. I'm no, no. On, I'm on good the last stuff. like half a page left. Lots of good fun <laughs> facts. Lots of fun facts. Uh, Halloween was selected in 2006 for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And, oh boy, it was. Because it spawned, even though it's not the first movie about a holiday, it wasn't exactly the first slasher, but it inspired everything from Friday the 13th and everything going forward. Definitely. Right. As has been noted, the killer was referred to as a shape in the script. Credits for the film. The word shape was used by the Salem Witch Trials judges to describe specters or spirits of the accused doing mischief or harming another person. Mm. John Carpenter was a huge fan of the original Canadian slasher film, Black Christmas, and asked Bob Clark if he could write a sequel to the film and received his permission. The script eventually evolved into a separate project inspired by the film. Tommy Lee Wallace. He had worked second unit for John Carpenter on this film and was originally chosen by Carpenter and the producers to direct Halloween 2. His approach was more of a Halloween H2O 20 years later approach back in 98, where it's five years later and Laurie is in graduate school when Michael resurfaces. But Carpenter insisted that this had to be a very next 
day kind of sequel, and the studio and producers were insisting on a lot more blood due to the success of Friday the 13th in 1980. Because of this, Wallace decided he wasn't comfortable with the sequel, and then he and he declined. However, he did direct... I'm sorry. He directed Halloween 3, not Halloween 2. So, right. okay. my mistake, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, just, he did direct Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, but he did a great job. Watch Halloween 3. <laughs> and uh, the last fun fact I have before any type of spoilers... In an interview, Tony Moran claimed that the reason Michael Myers was played by more than one actor was because they can only use those who were available on each day of filming. He also added that Michael Myers was actually played by six actors in total, and I already went through all that. So that's it for fun facts. Awesome. Do you guys have any thoughts? So, yeah, I mean, just about the – for me, like, the location in the movies, it, the location in the music of this it is really critical to the film's success. And um, so I, I, you know, I, I was reading about Carpenter about the music and, and basically saying that he only had three days to do the music and he recorded like five or six themes and he was just scoring blind, and then he would cut out the cut the themes into the movie. So yeah, I mean that's pretty amazing. So speak. So to piggyback on where you were like, oh, where it was filmed. So. Um, Deborah Hills from Haddonfield, New Jersey. That's right. And people in New Jersey are like, oh, that's what Halloween's after. But it's called Haddonfield, Illinois, yeah. which doesn't exist. But Haddonfield, uh. Illinois was filmed in California. So there was a lot of times where they actually had to paint random leaves on the ground and spread them all over. And then they would collect all the leaves for the next set, the next scene, and then spread them all, all over again. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, and, and the music, too, If in the credits, he actually, John Carpenter, credits the, the music for the film to the Bowling Green Philharmonic Orchestra, and that's where he had grown up is uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, another, another thing that I thought was interesting is um, just the, um, the Easter egg that Sam Lo- Loomis is also the name of the boyfriend in Psycho. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> There's a lot of connections to other movies. So. Yeah, and um, and I'm sure as we go through the film, we'll talk about some of the locations a little bit more in a little bit yes. of detail because oh, I yeah. think there's some really fascinating um, information about the babysitter houses and mm-hmm. and the when the scenes where they're like walking home from school and of course the Myers house. Yeah. Yeah, the Myers house is an interesting one. Um, that's in South Pasadena, California. But it's not in the original location. It was actually moved to another location, and it's now a, um, a chiropractor's office. Uh, okay. I mean, because I think Michael, you know, was cracking people's backs when he picked, <laughs> when, when he picked them up to strangle them. So yeah, I guess, you know, I mean, full circle. Maybe when I go to L.A., I could use an alignment. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> All right. Any, anything else from you guys? Any thoughts about the movie before we get to the spoilers? Just a big fan of how, um, you know, John Carpenter definitely builds suspense in this movie, you know, in between different scenes. And um, I've said this before, but like being an older movie, the art of suspense is definitely there, whereas newer movies have more of a jump scare effect. And I appreciate that about this movie, that the, the building, the building of suspense is there. But that's my oh, yeah. kind of final thought. And like I said, like we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, locations as we go through the... Yeah. No, for sure. So as in all of our podcasts and uh, episodes, before we get into the nitty-gritty, which is the movie itself, uh, we are going into spoiler territory. But before we do that, we, were, we will play you guys the audio from the trailer for Halloween. So again, 
um, after this trailer. Uh, I'm going to give you one more warning. And then if you haven't seen the movie and you just want to fast forward towards the end to hear us say goodbye, you can do that or watch the movie if you haven't seen it yet. And uh, then uh, circle back with us and listen to the episode. And if you haven't seen it, like, you need to. <laughs> yeah, seriously, guys. This is, this is one of the big ones. This is one of the OGs. This is like okay? Horror 101. Yes. Come on now. <laughs> I mean, this... I mean, there's so many different Rushmores of horror movies. Like, obviously, you have your silver screens with the Universal Monsters. You have your hammers. But then you have your slashers from the 70s and 80s. And uh, Michael Myers is pretty much presiding up there with Leatherface, Freddy, and Jason. Yeah. So, um, again, this is the trailer for Halloween 1978. Uh, we're going to play that for you guys right now. And then after that, we're going to get to some spoilers as we talk about Halloween. The one. The only, the classic Halloween. Halloween night. A small American town. Fifteen years ago. Halloween. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Just talk. Sure, sure. The only reason she babysits is to have a Halloween. That was the trailer for Halloween from 1978. Again, we are going to be talking about the movie from beginning to finish. Uh, so if you have not seen the movie, pause now or forever know what happens in the movie. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Spoilers. So uh, we'll, we'll begin with the, the, the credits. Of course, you start hearing the iconic 
John Carpenter theme for Halloween, mm. and you see a pumpkin in it. Um, that great example right there. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. thank you. <laughs> um, and then it goes right to the Myers house. Uh, starts off, I believe, in 1963. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see someone, you see through the POV of someone lurking around the outside of the house. It looks in. You see a young woman and a young man, uh, teenagers on the couch. Uh, that is Judith Myers and her supposedly boyfriend. And um, you see him playing with a clown mask, trying to, you know, joke around with Judith. And she says, oh, I'm going to go upstairs. And then she goes upstairs. Her boyfriend goes with her as he's wearing the mask. So you see through the eyes of this mask that he's going around the house and through the back entrance. And uh, he picks up a knife. And he walks around, looks, lurks into the living room. You see the boyfriend, you know, pull down his shirt and kind of take off. Like, all right, I'm out of here. Bye. Yeah, he's kind of like, I got the feeling. He's like, I ain't going to call you again. I got what I wanted. Right. He comes, <laughs> yeah, he comes down the stairs and she, she says, oh, call me tomorrow. And he's like, yeah, sure. She's like, yeah. What did you say your name again was? Yeah, I was not confident that she sure. was going to get a call back. But anyways. No online dating in that community. <laughs> no. Uh, so as a. As the person's lurking around, you see that they find a little clown mask. They put on the mask, and now you're seeing through the eye holes of the mask. And as he's walking around, he's going upstairs and, of course, goes to um, Judith's room. And Judith is just, you know, brushing her hair. Humming. Topless. Yep, topless. (laughs) Titties out. Sorry. (laughs) You see her turn around and look at the person, and she's like, Michael? And he starts stabbing her, and you see the blood everywhere. Which, by the way, fun fact, um, she hated getting the blood on her. That's right. Yeah. And she complained that every time that they had to do a take, that it would they had to scrub so heartily to get the blood oh. off. So uh, Jamie Lee Curtis actually volunteered to do that for her, and oh. I guess she was much more gentler than the uh, special effects. But I do oh. like, I do like, she's like, Michael, and it kind of sounds like Fran Drescher from The Nanny or something. <laughs> it was definitely without an annoyed voice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, without the laugh. Yep. <laughs> Nasally, yeah. <laughs> so um, after, of course, uh, Michael kills his sister, he goes downstairs and steps out of the house to see his parents just arriving back home. And them two are like, Michael? And they pull the mask off his face and you just see him hold the knife and it just zooms away and just seeing yeah, the, and he's the wearing shock. A, it's this little boy. And he's wearing a clown costume, right? Yeah. Yes. And I, what I thought, what, what I learned about the Myers house, and I thought this was interesting, apparently when they were because it was only a $300,000 budget. Um, they found the house and it was like already dilapidated. Yep. And so apparently there was a, a nursing home around the corner that owned the property and they were just using it for storage. And, um, and so, but because it was already dilapidated in order to recreate the, the scene from, they're going to use the dilapidated house like current day, but to go back into this, the 60s, they had to actually make repairs to it so that they actually had to like paint the areas of the the kitchen and and living room and the bedroom that they were filming which i thought was pretty interesting so they run it yeah they renovated the house just enough to make it look like 
livable conditions for the 60s. Makes sense. And then later on in the movie, when you see it, like, all torn, like, they just wreck the house. Put it back just to. Just like, oh, yeah, this dismantle. has been a man and just throw a rock through this window, you know, rip down the gutter here, whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever you have to do. Got it. So uh, now we see that um, we're going a few years into the future, 15 years to be exact, in 1978. And now we see Dr. Loomis and a nurse from the Illinois State Mental Institution. Yes. They are driving, and he's talking about Michael Myers. And they arrive at this, at this facility. And before they can even get to the gate, they're seeing all these patients in in their gowns just walking around on a very rainy night i also thought it was interesting when they are talking about michael um the doctor kind of refers to him as it and the nurse kind of goes could we call him he or him but i think the doctor is uh very adamant about like right you know this is he is just evil or it is evil it doesn't Neither gender, in a sense although michael is a human being Mm. that dr loomis never looked at him as a person or being human yeah while the nurse being a nurse is like you know he's a patient he's a, he's a human being we're here to take care of them no matter mm. who they are yeah and she's she's smoking a cigarette and she lights her cigarette with a a red matchbook i think that says like things the, like red rabbit red rabbit rabbit and red so yeah. that's like a, a kind of a, yeah. a a hint for later yeah so they end up getting to the um, to the front gate, and the gate's wide open. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Loomis tells her, "Hey, I'll be right back." He runs up to the call box, and he's trying to let them know that, "Hey, you know, you have got you have patients walking around here." And as the nurse is sitting in the car, she notices someone from behind jump onto the station wagon, mm-hmm. and she's wondering where he is. So she puts up the window, and you see a hand come down and smash the window. Mm. Fun fact about that, in order to create that window to smash, they actually taped a wrench to the actor's hands and painted it a flesh color. So that way when he slammed his hand on the window, the wrench shattered the window. And doesn't she roll down the window at first to like feel like, who the hell's... So so someone gets on the roof. Yep. Her first thought is, roll down the window. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. She rolled down the window. My bad. But... I was yeah, like, on a rainy night. I was like, bitch, please, no. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, so he anyway, down the window. He smashes open the window, grabs her. Um, as he's trying to grab her, she gets away. She leaves the car uh, from the passenger side. Mm. And Michael gets down, hops in the car, and drives off with it as she runs away from the car. So smart on her to not hang around and just let him Definitely. do what he has to do. And she, like, I don't know, I mean... When she's getting out of the car, she she has this like awkward position that she kind of slides onto the the side of the road. I'm like, it kind of looked like it actually hurt for the actress playing the role. I think it was Nancy Stevens, mm. um, but it was just like, ow! That kind of looked like it was painful the way she kind of landed when she was escaping the car. Yeah. So, and then the doctor says the evil is gone when Michael takes off in the car. Yeah, and then after that scene. Um, it goes to almost kind of like another title where it says the date, which is now in 1978 and it's Halloween and it goes into Halloween and Haddonfield, Illinois. Probably not in that order though. Yep. And then uh, you get a glimpse of uh, Lori Strode and her dad. And this, you know, their last name is Strode because there's a shot of um, 
her dad's vehicle that says Strode Realty on the side. Mm. Um, and her dad asked her to drop off a key um, at a at the Myers house. Um, and she's like, yeah, dad, I got it. And so she starts walking to school. Mm-hmm. And then and Tommy approaches her. Yeah. And says, hey, you babysitting me tonight. And we're going to carve a jack-o'-lantern. And she's like, sure, sure. And and, he, and uh, she tells him that she's going to drop off the key. And he's like, you can't go there. That's the spook <laughs> house. Yeah, Lonnie Lamb says awful things happened there once. And she's like, Lonnie Lamb will probably never get out of the seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so she drops off the key um, like her dad asked her to. And, um, and somebody's lurking in the house. Somebody's yep. lurking. I, I actually jumped like when you see the shadow shadow like appear and then you have that Halloween music that a little bit of a startle yeah. there. I know you were talking about how how um, Carpenter's later movies he uses a lot of jump scares, but Halloween has a lot of good jump scares. Yeah, there, yeah, just like very subtle ones that get you. Because um, I think so. Once they start walking away from the house, what I thought was funny is as. Um, Lori's walking away. She's singing, I wish I had you all alone. She actually made up that song on Just the spot. The Seriously. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. not a that's, real song. Well, it fit perfectly because yeah. like she's walking away singing this song and you get a shot of that Michael's like staring and, and watching breathing. her. Right? It's like you're inside the house looking out the windows on the top of the door and then all of a sudden he just creeps right from the right side. Right? And yeah. Ugh. It's definitely a good jump scare. Yeah. Yep. But so, yeah, he's watching and lurking, and uh, yeah, Lori's just on her way to school, blissfully unaware. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, they don't know anything yet. Nope. Um, but then I think it kind of cuts to a scene of um, Dr. Loomis and the, uh, I want to say like the uh, attendant, superintendent of the asylum kind of mm. arguing yes. about the incident that happened the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't quite remember what... Words were exchanged, though. You know, it wasn't good. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's just yeah. basically like, I told everybody how dangerous he was and nobody yeah. listened. Yeah. And... and then, you know, um, the I person think... that he was talking to just really didn't take him that seriously. Yeah. Like, oh, he's just a loony. He's like, and... Yeah. He's like, he didn't doesn't even know how to drive a car. And then Dr. Loomis was, he was doing a fine job last night. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, no one took Dr. Loomis seriously. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people were like, how did he learn, know how to drive a car? And actually... If you watch Halloween 2, and I won't give any spoilers really, they kind of they kind of throw shit at the wall in number two just to mm-hmm. kind of make it connect with part one. Mm-hmm. But he, he explains, I think actually in a later Halloween, I think it was Halloween 4, 4 or 5, he explains that he used to drive Michael for, even from the back seat. He could see up front and watch what he's doing oh, as okay. he's driving the car. So he kind of... Um, bullshits get the you know of it. you yeah. know the directors kind of bull or writers were kind of bullshit you know how michael yeah. myers knows how to do things there you go or knew how to so it gets explained like a decade and a half later got it awesome <laughs> thanks for that um so after that uh clip of them having that altercation it cuts to Lori um in school um and i thought it was interesting because i i didn't quite hear what book they were studying or what yeah. authors they were comparing against each other, but they're talking about fate mm. um, and fate. No matter what course of action happens is fate. Never changes. Never yes. changes. Yeah. Um, and while Lori's sitting in class, she looks outside and she sees 
um, the station wagon that Michael stole, and Michael... Michael. She sees yeah. Michael. She sees somebody staring at her from a station wagon outside. In the- yeah, in some sort of, like, jumpsuit with, like, a pale kind of looking face, right? And then the teacher says, Lori, and she's like, whoa, sorry, what? Answer the question. Yeah, and then Lori <laughs> answers the question, and then... Um, I thought this was interesting, but the teacher quotes something from the book that says, fate never changes. Mm. Then Lori looks out the window and the car's gone. Yep. So. Basically, one author stating that fate is already determined and another says man is, you know, he's he's the person he or she is the person who um, decides their fate on the actions they take. Exactly. Master of their own fate. And then it um, shows uh, little Tommy Doyle. He's trying to leave school with his pumpkin, mm. but then he gets surrounded by a bunch of bullies who just Jerks. keep repeating, like, he's going to get you. He's, he's going to get, get you. you. He's going to get you. And then they keep saying, like, boogeyman, boogeyman, but with not very creative little boys. The boogeyman no. is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, like berating him with words and then he trips and falls on his pumpkin and breaks his pumpkin which yeah. is like oh sad <laughs> and the kids are running and then one of them runs into michael mm-hmm. yeah yeah like tommy's still kind of like picking himself up from so he doesn't even notice the interaction between one of the bullies and michael yeah because michael grabs him by the shoulders and then the kid is frightened by just some huge ass dude that stops him and he runs the opposite direction and we like and then Mike, the music plays, the theme music plays, and mm-hmm. it's definitely a very good part. Tommy's like walking, and, and the car's driving alongside of him, and he doesn't know that he's being followed. And yeah. then the car takes off. Yeah. Um, and then I think it cuts to Lori leaving school. Um, it does. Uh, yes, I think. But also, it does cut to the doctor. He is at a roadside. Oh, that's right. He's at a roadside phone. Remember, remember phone booth, guys. Yep. <laughs> I, I, there's a couple still around these days, believe it or not. <laughs> so he's at a phone booth on the side of the road. He is trying to get in contact with the sheriff in Haddonfield because he knows that's where Michael's home is. That's where he's headed. Right. And no one's really taking him seriously yet again. So while he's at this phone, he's trying to get in touch with the sheriff. He hangs up and then he goes over to a truck that was like pulled over. Right. And it yep. said like something mechanic. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he, the doctor doesn't see, but like when he walks away, it cuts to a shot of a man who has been de- undressed and he's dead. Right. So yeah. that's where the red rabbit, like rabbit and red, okay, rabbit yes. and red matchbook. I think he comes back. I think it's he sees it in on the, the seat. Or yeah. Something. And so he knows he's been there. He's because, been there. I think his like, mm-hmm. um, the robe he wore at the asylum was there too or whatever. Yeah, it was on a tree. I yeah. think Dr. Loomis finds it. Yes. And he's just like he knows he was in that area because of his yeah. journey the, just being there. And the right. match and the matchbook. And then when he splits, they, they pan over to the body and like the the that grass or whatever and mm. I always thought like watching this movie, like way back when, that it was really hard. They don't pan over a lot, like uh-huh. to the dead body, so you yeah. just kind of get like a glimpse the top. Yeah. of him. You don't really see that he's like. No, but it's just that. <clears throat> I thought that was interesting because like it just hints like, oh, this is where he got the jumpsuit. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it makes sense for future scenes. So. Definitely. Yeah. 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 
And then it cuts to um, Lori on her way home from school. With Linda, right? Yeah. Nancy first, then Linda, I believe. Or is it Nancy? Linda, Linda, then Nancy. Then Nancy's like, Lori, Linda, why didn't you wait (laughs) for me? Yeah, because Linda's talking about cheerleading. And we have to learn three new cheers before tomorrow and the game and then the dance and blah, 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 blah. I'm sure she's going to be concentrating (laughs) on Totally. (laughs) Totally. And, uh... And then, yeah, Annie comes up. Hey, why don't you wait for me? And something about, what's wrong, Annie? You're not smiling. And, oh, talking about her boyfriend, Paul, how he got busted for, like, soaking windows. And he's grounded. and Just being a hooligan in town. Yeah. (laughs) She's just mad she's not going to get laid tonight, basically. And and, and then Lori's like, oh, I forgot my, my math book or something or my chemistry book. And Linda's like, well, I forget all my books. So you can tell. (laughs) Oh, and then there's this funny line about babysitting because Annie and, and Linda, I mean, Andy and Annie and Lori turns out they're like babysitting like across the street that night. And mm-hmm. um, I think Linda says, the only reason why Annie babysits is to have a place for her. And then Lori goes, shit. And she's like, I have a place for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I forgot my math book. And then she's like, oh, yeah. who cares? I forget all my books. And that's yeah. when you see the station. station we, yep. Yep. And they think it's like a boy cruising them. Isn't that Lonnie Lamb? I think he's cute. Yeah, they like think it's some other guy. <laughs> and I love this part. And then Annie goes, hey, jerk, speed kills. And then the brakes slam right on the station wagon. Yeah. Like half Ab- a block down. And absolutely uh, terrifying because I feel like I got in that c- moment, I would think someone's going to get out and beat my ass if I said anything like that. It was that. really creepy with the with the theme song music. And then, you know, Lori says to Annie, someday Annie you're gonna get us all in big trouble and, and Linda mm-hmm. goes totally and, <laughs> her, and so yeah. Yeah, it, her theme song. They kinda get introduced to all the girls. Her catchphrase, sorry. And then talk. um and, yeah, and then Annie finds out that Lori's babysitting and next door and and Lori's all excited and she's like, Oh great like oh and then Linda says how she, her and her boyfriend Bob want to come over and, and party like while she's babysitting. And, while Annie's yeah. babysitting. And she's yeah. like, great, I got two options. Listen to Bob and Linda screw around or talk to you, Lori. And right. <laughs> so, such a nice friend. I know, right? Yeah. And so they're walking home and and um, and and then there's a, a scene um, right before you get to the point where like it's just. Annie and Lori walking. Linda goes to her house. Yep, Linda goes home, and, and then um, Lori and Andy are walking. I guess that house that Linda walks to is the house that they show in the beginning of the the, the sitcom Mama's Family. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh. I, I thought that was kind of fun fact, and um, and and they're filming all this in in Pasadena, and um, I, I guess that they use that location because um. It didn't look like tropical like other areas yeah, of California. There's not a lot of palmetto trees in that area, which I noticed. Like, there's there's a few plants where I'm like, oh, that can't be Illinois, if anything. <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's less palm trees. It's like Nightmare on Elm Street. They're out of Illinois as well, in Springfield, Illinois, quote unquote. But then like, there's certain scenes where there's like palm trees. In yeah, Springfield. you can't you can't ignore it. And there, <laughs> yeah, I mm, I and noticed so that too, and I, I was like. Eh. So I just was like, not Springfield, my bad. (laughs) When I was like researching a little bit more about about South Pasadena, um, I guess they they filmed Christine there, and Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Back to the Future, Teen Wolf, Pretty in Pink, and and Rob Zombie's 2007 remake of Halloween. So, 
That's definitely, I guess, a good filming location. Yeah. I guess I'm going to have to see if I can get down there while I'm in L.A. <laughs> <Do> <laughs> or it. California, a little old lady from Pasadena. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. And then you know, they're walking and, you know, and they come to the, the hedge scene. And Lori sees a figure. Or yeah. the same Annie's jerk. <laughs> digging in her bag looking for something. So Lori's the only person that sees this guy. And right before Annie looks up as Lori's like, hey, this is guy. And then he like walks behind, behind the, the hedge. hedge. And and Annie's like, yeah, I'll go check it. And she goes behind the hedge and nobody's there. But, she, but Lori can still see her. She's looking behind. And mm-hmm. she's like, hey. And like, Lori, he wants to talk to you. He wants to take cute. you out tonight. <laughs> yeah. Know? And yeah, so. and 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 uh, she's like, "Poor Lori, scared another one away." And, and Lori uh, says, "Guys think I'm too smart." And and she goes, "I don't. I think you're wacko. Now you're seeing men behind bushes." <laughs> and so that even like that hedge now is like famous. Like seriously, I think looking on the, like some of these location sites, I think they still have that hedge somewhere, oh. <laughs> and people are like posing in front of it. <laughs> It's like probably the world's most famous hedge. Nice. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, it's like when you go to London and you go to Abbey Road Studios, people right. are taking pictures on the crosswalk <laughs> from this day from that album. I've heard that's and a very busy street, too. It is, and a lot of the locals get insanely pissed off because to this day, oh, me bet. included, have <laughs> taken a picture walking across Abbey Road. Oh, God. That's so funny. That's funny, though. Um, so then Annie goes home. And Lori continues walking, but she mm. kind of keeps looking back, right? Mm-hmm. And then she bumps into Sheriff Brackett, which is Annie's dad. Yep. So that scares the crap out of her, obviously. <laughs> and you get that famous quote, everybody is entitled to a scare. Yeah. One good scare, yeah, yep. That's definitely yep. a famous um, and line. And then, so like the way it kind of transitions into the next scene, I thought it was kind of funny because you can obviously tell it rained. Oh, After, yeah, that's right. She's running across the street and everything's wet. All of a sudden, yes. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, eh, it was dry, like, in the last scene. But I know this, you know, this was an older movie and they were on a budget. So I get it. You yeah. know, got to get it in. Yeah. So it had rained. Anyways. Um, and then I think as she, as Lori is, like, walking to her house, um, she's she hears like a scream, but then she notices it's just trick or treaters already out trick or treating. Yeah, I think she she says to herself, "Well, kiddo, I thought you grew out of superstition." Yeah, so she hears like a, yeah, this like kind of this this these noises that sound kind of like alarming or frightening, and then she realizes, yeah, it's these like kids moaning and doing all sorts of like making funny noises. But I yep, I always thought that was a good part too of the movie. Yeah. So then she uh, makes it upstairs to her bedroom to, like, put all her stuff away. And she looks out the window, and then there's someone in the clothesline. I know. It's Michael, supposedly. And then she, like, backs away, and then he's not there anymore. And doesn't right? like, yeah. And then she, like, shuts the window really quickly. and Yeah. The phone rings. And yeah. That's another little jump scare. Mm-hmm. And at first, nobody's answering. And then all of a sudden... Um, I believe it's Annie that's yep. on the phone. She calls back. And she's like, why did you hang up on me? She's like, why didn't you answer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, little side note, behind uh, Lori on the wall, there's a couple of paintings, or at least yeah. a painting. Um, do we have the name of that artist? 
Yeah, so it's uh, James Ensor. He's a thank you a Belgian surrealist and expressional painter who originally started painting like docile seascapes, but eventually turned to darker subject matter like skulls, masks, and macabre image in, Im- imagery. <laughs> imagery. And <laughs> as uh, reanima- reanimator Rob said, that one of the things that painter was known for is drawing or making paintings of people with really eerie and scary mm. masks on. And I guess this painting behind Lori is not one of those. I guess it's a it's called Self Portrait with Flowered Hat. But it is <laughs> definitely like a good little Easter egg there. Definitely. It, it's funny too because when I was watching this movie a couple days ago I was like that painting has to do something with the movie. And as I did research I found that out. Um, obviously I didn't get the name of the painter but thank Thank you guys for at You're least, welcome. you know, backing yeah. us up. <laughs> and and uh, Love little fun facts. And I and I like how, um, you know, Lori says to Annie, "I thought you were an obscene phone caller," and, and she's like, "Now you're hearing obscene chewing. You're losing <laughs> it, Lori." <laughs> and then so she's like, "I'm coming to pick you up. Get be ready." So yeah, so uh, to get re- or Lori gets ready, goes out and meets Annie at her car. And they start driving away. And, and Annie they, says, we have just enough time. And she pulls out a joint. <laughs> a joint, yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, fun fact, as soon as they start listening to um, Don't Fear the Reaper, right behind the car, Michael Myers is driving behind him in the station wagon. They're being followed. Don't fear the reaper. Baby, I'm your man. Don't and fear the reaper. as they're talking about what they want to do that night, um, they come across... Um, Annie's dad, who's the sheriff as well. Yep. And they see that the hardware store is broken into. There's an alarm going off. And they stop to talk to Annie's dad. And I'm just thinking, like, wouldn't you want to open up the windows and air out the car real quick if before you're... <laughs> before you, you pull up, up to your sheriff's dad? Da- yeah, I yeah. thought the same thing. But, <laughs> um, but he says, oh, you know, they just stole a few things. Some Halloween masks, some knives, and some rope. And it's like... Okay, but- suspicious there, <laughs> Sheriff. What are you doing? And, and, and he's like, it's hard growing up with a cynical father. Yeah, but you got to think, though, in those times, too, it was customary to give your kid a knife. Like, here, here's oh, a knife. Today, no, nobody's giving their kid a knife. They're like, no. screw that. No, you yeah. Know what I mean? That's I didn't mean knife but- and rope and mask. Like, that's, yeah. that, that is kind of weird. But back then, and, was, yeah. they probably just thought, like, oh, they're just kids stealing stuff. Yeah. And then I think there's um, a scene at one point. I'm not sure where it cuts in, but... The doctor is with, um, like, a grave, a, t- a cemetery attendant. Yep. Um, so they're walking in the graveyard because um, they're looking for Judith Meyer's grave. Um, and so, you know, he says, row 18, plot 20. So they're walking along. And he's trying to tell him, like, a story. And then the doc kind of goes, I'm sorry, but, like, are we there yet? Or, like, where are we? <laughs> and, you know, and then they realize her grave is stolen. Yeah. And he's like, oh, these, you know, the great uh, cemetery <laughs> attendant's like, oh, these damn kids. And the doc's like, that was no child that pulled that, you know, stone, stone or whatever. I think I know. And then he says, he came home. Actually, I think that was right before Annie picks up Lord. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Sorry for moving ahead. It's fine. That's but okay. that's all so right. I, so I, me, so when it, they go to the plot, right? It's just Judith who is Barry there, correct? Yes. As far as we know. Yes. Yeah. So my thing is like, where are the parents? Cause like obviously a... it's been 15 years. They and might've if moved they're away. Not, 
That's a good point. That's a good point. But yeah, I didn't I, think that, about that. I thought about that. This is so I've watched this movie a hand, like you know, a handful of times, and this is the only time that I was like, "Where'd the parents end up?" Because you know? there's yeah, there's no other gravestones next to that, right? Or they're what? not on the on the same tomb or whatever, they're, you know, in yeah. the family yeah. plot. Yeah, I'm thinking they probably moved away because of because you think about it, the house is dilapidated. True. They wouldn't have. I feel like a house dilapidated like that would take many years. Yeah. True. And a lot of vandalism. To be exact. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, according to this movie, right? But they never really man- mentioned what happened to parents. I think yeah. the parents parents really wanted to disassociate with the house, the town, and their son. That's fair. Mm. That's fair. Yeah, this was the first time I kind of was like. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Myers, where are you at? You know? Yeah, so, yeah. Absent yeah. absent parents. This is what happens, yeah, people. This, this is what happens. <laughs> and um, I think we have to backtrack a little because after Annie and Lori drive off to go to where they have to babysit, yep. um, the sheriff talk, starts talking to Dr. Loomis because Loomis is there. Yeah, he shows up at the hardware store because Sheriff Brackett was not answering his phone calls, you know, mm-hmm. when he was at the telephone booth, so... Not in yep. the age of cell phones. Yeah, not <laughs> the age of cell phones. So, so did you? So it took me a while to. I've seen this movie so many times that when Loomis and Brackett are talking, you see Michael Myers drive by in the background. I think this was the yes, first time does. I kind of was like, "Oh my god, he was right, right there. Yeah. He drove right by." I did not the notice doctor. that. So it's funny. So you At see first. behind Loomis towards his left, you see the station wagon pull up to where. Annie and Lori were from, mm-hmm. and Dr. Loomis is looking to the right-hand side of the screen as you're looking at the television. Mm-hmm. And as Dr. Loomis is starting to look to the left-hand side of your screen as he's going to talk to the cops, Michael Myers drives over, and it's almost as if he timed it just right for his head to turn and not notice the station wagon driving. Yeah, so if, aggravating. And if you look really, really, really close, you can see... Michael Myers giving Dr. Loomis the finger. Are you serious? No, I'm kidding. Oh my no, god. <laughs> I was I believed you for like two seconds. Wouldn't that be funny though? <laughs> that would be really that'd be pretty funny. Flipping in the bird. So when they're driving to their the babysitting destinations, of course, you know, Lori's all panicked. I don't know if it's the weed, but she's got paranoia and, mm-hmm. and she's like, I'm sure he could smell it and did you see the look on his face? And, and, and he's like, he always looks like that. And, yeah. <laughs> and they and then they start talking about like who you who you want to go to the I think it's like a dance with. And, they have a dance on Saturday. Yeah. So it's oh, a I think it's, is it a semi formal or a homecoming. Mm, that's a good question. I'm not 100 percent sure. But anyway, it's, yeah. the, it's the dance. It's, it's a the big, big dance. dance. Yeah. And like so, Annie can tell that Lori wants to like talk about it. She's like, you know, you could ask somebody and. I think she says, like, oh, I didn't think you worried about those kind of things, Lori. Yeah. As if, I don't know, they ma- they make Lori out to be, like... A prude or... Kind of. You know no, I mean? she is. But, you know, she's but, worried about leaving her chemistry books in ho- at, at school. And, I know. And they treat her like a goody two-shoes. She's afraid of smoking pot. And, and, yeah, she's definitely like that. I mean, she still smoked. I mean, yeah. it's not like... You don't have to be a prude to be responsible. Too. Right. She's right. Definitely... Like, she was like, I have other things on my agenda. It doesn't necessarily have to include boys. Right. Or, but yeah, when. Or getting trashed. Yeah. I mean, but she likes wants it... to have fun because yeah. she was obviously jealous of what happens later. Yeah. Look, yeah. Well, yeah, she, she definitely. Yeah. And, and so she, mm. Linda. Sorry. No. So she's saying to Annie, like, you know, talking about the dance and then. 
Um, she says, Lin- I think Annie said uh, some boy's name, and she's like, oh, you know, I'd rather ben. go with Ben Tramer. Yeah. 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 And that definitely becomes a, a reference later on mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the series. Yeah. And then, I'm sorry, but like they, so Michael's following them, and they are unaware the whole time? It, Apparently, what? yes. It drove me insane. I was like, "How are you not noticing?" Because like they're in, they get to a neighborhood when they're babysitting, and it's it's not that far behind the station. This station wagon, like Jesus. Oh well, yeah, know. he parks across the street, but kind of diagonally from Tommy's house, the Doyles, the Doyles. Yes, yeah. and that's where Annie drops off Lori, and, and then, then Annie goes basically a house. And then over and then to the left. To the Wallaces. Yeah. <laughs> Which is basically just diagonally to the right of steer exiting the Doyles. Yeah. yeah so I, I, maybe they, were, they didn't notice because they had smoked and they were feeling a little funky. I guess that's fair. You're probably <laughs> right. But I don't know. I was like, I was like, they had no idea. They had no idea they were being followed. Come on. <laughs> well, they were all wrapped up in their teenage whatever they're doing. <laughs> Some boys and stickers in myspace.com. Sorry. That's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's more from my teenagehood. But anyways, I similar. There's like three things they think about. So, <laughs> so I just, I just, before we get into, to the, um, further on. So the babysitter houses I thought were pretty good. I, I, I loved, especially the, the Wallace's house with the pumpkin on the front porch. Mm. And I just, it's such like a spooky location, but I, apparently um, they had a, another place picked out in, in Pasadena, South Pasadena. And, and uh, the art director, um, he, um, Wallace, he had stopped by the South Pasadena home that was going to be the Doyle residence. And this is, you know, obviously before cell phones. So he was like unannounced and the maid let him in and he went upstairs to take uh, measurements of the closet where Lori is attacked later on in the film and he looks behind his shoulder and realizes the woman of the house is in her bed sleeping and it was like oops and so he had left and (sighs) apparently the husband found out and freaked out and then was like you're not filming here so then they had to they ended up with that north hollywood location on in orange grove so i thought that was kind of kind of a, a funny thing that's hilarious and th- that location um with the two houses they f- they filmed those exact same two houses when they did the uh, american horror story cult and oh my i God. and i oh that's cool I, as soon as i saw those houses and cult i knew right away where they were i did not know yeah but that's awesome and then just another random uh tidbit is they filmed a highway to heaven episode in one of those houses called i was a middle-aged werewolf so apparently <laughs> i'm guessing that might have had a halloween theme too so sort of maybe those are you know the, has a <laughs> reputation of being kind of horror kind of like horror cool. houses yeah so nice. anyway yeah i thought that was uh, uh interesting because i always liked the locations of those two houses yeah in the movie they're very nice houses um yeah so I think while Michael is sitting in the station wagon, he watches Annie go into the Wallace's um, house and then they shortly after head out um, and then it kind of cuts to uh, Dr. Loomis and Sheriff Brackett uh, go and investigate at the Myers house. Yes. Um, so so they go in, you know, I think he's kind of they're kind of talking about the 
history of the house hasn't been you know vacated or whatever in a while um so when they go in i think in like the first floor like that living room area they find a dead dog they don't show it but they're like oh a dog and then the sheriff goes over to it and he says oh it's still warm which is like a creepy he got hungry yeah well didn't he say okay there's a dead dog in here he's like what he's like yeah never mind yeah (laughs) yeah the doctor says he got hungry like rob said but i i think also the sheriff says a man wouldn't do this and then the doctor goes he's not a man not a man like going back to that discussion earlier calling him an it yes um so then they go upstairs um to judith's room and the doctor you know he's kind of like this is where it happened isn't it you know and um they're talking you know about uh the doctor's talking about how when he first met michael when he was six years old and he saw nothing behind those eyes like those again were evil eyes. the fun fact i said earlier how john carpenter went and he's like kid had eyes of evil mm. yeah so right yeah. so it comes around full circle mm. so yeah but so crazy um and then there's like a little jump scare where like i think a piece of gutter falls and like breaks into the window yep and the doc is like scare. doc is like ready to go so he like whips out his gun and kind of like screeches before it hits the window right. and at first when i first saw this movie i said I didn't know what it was. I thought it was like a baseball that got thrown into the window. But yeah, then later on, it's like a... Just a piece of the gutter yeah. where it like, would connect to go down. Yeah. yeah. And then, it, yeah. So um, the doc um, to- tells Sheriff Brackett to like, you know, go on ahead. He's going to wait here to see if Michael comes back because he's already been there once tonight. So, um, And then it cuts back to um the babysitting so you know Lori's at the doyle's house annie's at the wallace's house um i think annie calls Lori, um and they're talking on the phone and then this is where she's like Lindsay, come get this dog because the dog's growling lester's like growling and barking lester yeah yeah um yeah he goes outside and he's barking and barking and she's just getting annoyed by it because she's trying to talk to Lori on the phone on the phone um and then while so while Lori is on the phone i think tommy so he they're across the street tommy sees that there's like a man or something outside over at the wallace's and he's like the boogeyman. It's the boogeyman. Yeah, he sees the shadow in front of the house. And, and then before that, yeah, Annie's saying, I got big news for you. Remember? She's like, I asked, I told Ben Tramer that you. How attracted you are <laughs> <Yeah>. to him. <laughs> and so she was like, Lori was like, please tell me you didn't. And yeah, Lester's growling. And she's like, he's the only, I'm the only person this dog doesn't like. Yeah. And so when she tells him that uh, Ben is interested yeah Lori's like is so embarrassed and, and yeah. then they're talking and when tommy looks out the window yeah that scene with he, the shape standing in front of that that big house mm. yeah it's definitely with the, the jack-o'-lantern on the on the front porch yeah. and stuff is like yeah and at some point michael michael kills the dog yeah so then <laughs> yeah. then i think yeah so i think uh annie spills butter on her and she's like i have to i have to go yeah i have to go and she hangs up and then she's like Lindsay, I need a robe. So the baby, uh, the girl that she's babysitting, Lindsay, is like glued to the TV. Yeah, like she's like a robot, and, yep. and and then yeah, she's 
Katie um, is just like straight up undressing in the kitchen, yeah, like yeah. nothing. She's just down to her underwear at and this yellow point, socks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she's like yeah, she, making popcorn. She gets like or a something. button up. Yeah, she was making popcorn, spilled butter herself, and then undresses and gets like a button up that was nearby or whatever. And then the dog is growling outside, and she's like, Lindsay, Lester's barking again and getting on my nerves again. And then you hear the, never, like, mind. Oh, never mind. I guess he found a hot date. Yeah. And she's like, not concerned that, like, She's saying this is, dog is yeah. like shrieking outside and then they show the dog is yeah. apparently being strangled by Michael. Yeah. So fun fact about that scene. So when you see the end of when Michael ends the dog's life, they actually had the um, the dog handler hold up the dog and in slow motion they lower the dog. So that's mm. how that's why it doesn't look like he's wagging his tail so much. Yeah. Because ah. they just slowly look let the dog down yeah from oh. being picked up that's a good yeah that's yeah you because know, i definitely thought that was yeah kind of you can tell it's a lot a little bit slower yeah motion and then uh yeah. yeah so so the dog is dead now they have no guard dog <laughs> yeah um but so when so annie spills stuff on herself so she goes to i thought this was kind of interesting because i've only seen this personally like once um the laundry like the washer and dryer is in a shed out back of yeah, the house. It's detached from the house. So yeah. my family has a little cottage in Canada, you know, it's like old or whatever. So they have like a washer in, in a shed. And that's the only time I've ever seen like a washing room, like completely separate. So I was like, yeah. that's, that's interesting. Well, Back in the day, too, um, I mean, probably even today as well, if you have a garage, sometimes people will have their washer and dryer set up in the garage. True. So back then, if your garage was detached, you usually had enough enough amenities that where you could have a washer dryer oh, yeah. inside that garage. I guess I didn't think about it that way. But that's, yeah. So anyways, she has to go all the way to the shed to wash her clothes. Um, and the doors, like, you know, it's, win- I guess it's blown wind. by the wind yeah. and it closed at one point. She opens it back up and then she's like in the, and she's then like, it closes again and it fucking locks. She's <laughs> like, Paul, is this some sort of cheap trick? And then no, no <laughs> tricks or treats for Annie tonight. Yeah. And, and then, then it locks. It locks. And then she's calling for Lindsay, but you know, Lindsay, she's glued to the TV and yeah. then she tries to like. Figure out another way. Um, but then the phone starts ringing, and mm. Annie's like, Lindsay, pick up. It's Paul. Um, so Lindsay picks up, and she's like, hello. like, <laughs> And he's like, hey, Lindsay, it's me, Paul. Can I talk to Annie? She's like, she's uh, in the washing room. Well, can you get her for me? So she gets up. and She, then like, hangs she up does, on him. She does the classic kid thing, though, where she go, she walks outside and then just goes, Lynn's or Annie Paul's Paul called like that does not go physically find her. And then you hear Annie go, ow. And you think something happened to her. Uh, but before. So and, and again, I didn't see this when I first watched it the first time. But when when the phone's ringing and Lindsay's watching TV and they pan back to Annie going answer it, you know, Lindsay, that you can see Annie and then you can see the window behind her with the white curtain and you just get a faint glimpse of Michael in the back. And yeah. he is there, but it is so subtle. It, it's like an illusion. So when she goes to try to get out of that window. Yeah. And then she gets stuck. You're like, oh, she's a goner now. Like she's a goner. She's dead meat. And then 
it's one yeah. of those things where like it pans to her then back to Lindsay so quickly that if you're not looking at the right spot at the right time right you're gonna miss it yeah but it is there so if if you ha- didn't catch that part like it's worth rewatching just for that because it's definitely uh noteworthy yeah. and then and then yeah Lindsay unlocks the, the door and she's like you locked yourself in and 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 she's like, what are you doing in the window? And, and, mm-hmm. and um, he's just like, grab my foot. I'm it's stuck. stuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she's like half out the window. And she's like, promise me you'll never tell anybody about this. And then the phone rings and they run back. And then and Lindsay picks up the phone and she just goes, hi, Paul. She was stuck in the window in the laundry room. <laughs> like, gee, thanks. Stuck, huh? And then she's like, yeah, I've seen you stuck in plenty of places. And then while they're talking on the phone, he's he's telling her, that he can, I think, sneak out of the house or get out of the house. And again, another great scene when she's in the kitchen and and that door in the back is like, a, it's like a French door and it's open. And Michael's shadow of him is right there. Mm. And then when she, in, in a blink of an eye, when she goes towards that door while she's on the phone, he's gone again. Yeah. So it's just, and uh, she's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll come pick you up. Well, she says, can you walk over? And he says, can you come pick me up? Like, if he's within walking distance, I'm sorry. And he Do said you, something else that... He's he, not working for yeah. for what Annie's given. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> and he, I don't know if he says, blow me. He says something else, and she's like, oh, shut up, you jerk. That's all you guys ever think about. Yeah. And, and then she's like, Lindsay, we're going to go pick up Paul. And and she's like, I want to stay and watch this. And, and and she's like, listen, I thought we understood each other. And and, and she's like, why are you sitting out, sitting all the lights off and she's like i'm scared and, and she's like well you want to go over next door and watch movies with tommy and she's like yeah so she's you know she's uh already thinking ahead of of ditching the kid and, and yeah. so she yep. can have her fun with the boyfriend and yep yeah so yeah she walks her over and then um yeah she hangs out with tommy and then Lori and annie have like i think it was like a quick conversation like Lori's like please call ben tramer and tell him you were just kidding or whatever and yeah. then she's like watch Lindsay, and i'll think about it you know or yeah. whatever <laughs> and, and while they're while they're walking across the street there's another good like little jump scare where, where michael just pops up out of uh behind a car or a tree and and it's like another just oh like right. another good jump scare and uh, yeah, when they're at the house, I love Annie's outfit because I think at this point she's wearing like a white button up, like yeah, men's like button up, and like, then like shirt. this like plaid afghan shawl thing over <laughs> yeah, her, over her, and, and then, then like yellow, yellow knee highs and, and <laughs> panties. And, yeah, uh, I'm like, yeah, she's she's really doing the '70s, the bang up job in the '70s '78 yeah. look. And then yeah, so she says, "Yep, I'm gonna you watch Lindsay. I'm gonna go pick up Paul, and and um, of course." Um, Lori's like you know popping popcorn and 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 carving pumpkins and being that awesome babysitter that she is and then and I then, think they refer to her as a Girl Scout too yeah Girl Scout yeah. that's right yeah she's like the Girl Scout you and know so pull through goes, again or whatever Annie goes back to the house and and she's like singing my Paul and yeah <laughs> I'll give you all and then she goes to the car and she's like no keys but please and the car's locked and then. She goes back into the house to get the keys, and then she, my Paul, I give you all. Then she opens the door, and and without even using the keys, you don't think about it at first, and then she realizes the the she's at the cars in the garage, and yeah, realizes the the windows all fogged up. Yeah, so and then she she's kinda, like, 
Tut, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And then she's like, in. "Yeah, why she's is like, it foggy?" And she's like, you know, puts her finger on, and then, yep, yeah, he's right in the back seat, right behind her, ready to go. So obviously, he puts his hands around her to strangle her, and she even tries honking the horn, which to no avail. She only got a couple beeps out of it, and he chokes the life out of her. She ends up resting on the horn as it blows, and he right away takes her right off that steering wheel yeah. and he also does he cut her too in the neck i think doesn't he like cut her throat i, I feel like there's a slice a slice motion in there that he i think so yeah yeah possibly she, yeah yeah i think i think so you don't really see it that yeah, well yeah because later on they kind of show like a, a yeah. little bit of a bloody neck yeah, yeah i think she, he strangled her to the point to one a certain point and then sliced her right across because then when he lets her go, she kind of has like one last gasp. Yeah. And then yeah. she dies very slowly. She like the way she leans into the into the into the um, steering, steering wheel into the horn. It's almost like very ballet like. It's it's like she doesn't just slam into it. She like gently just yeah. Almost like she's sleeping on a pillow. And of course the horn the horn can be heard and. She's yeah. gone, and I liked Annie. I liked her a lot. Yeah, she was Sad. a fun one. Yeah, she was like you could see it. She was like the good best friend of of Laurie Strode. I, but I, I, you know, she didn't die right away. You know, she yeah. was a good character, <laughs> and she she was very sarcastic and funny. I, you know, and I definitely liked her character. Yeah. And then I believe it pans back to um, Tommy Lori and Tommy and Lindsay, and, Lindsay. Yeah, well, and they're watching a movie which is actually um, the thing from another planet yeah um, you notice the beginning it's an RKO movie which is very cool yeah um, fun fact about this this is one of John Carpenter's favorite horror movies and he actually references it a couple times uh, between Halloween 1 and 2 since mm-hmm. we're yeah. only talking about Halloween 1 there's a scene where Michael's on top of the stairs just standing like this uh, the thing from another planet when you actually see the thing for the first time he's just standing there just full shadow in the same position oh. and then of course uh, John Carpenter later on does uh, a couple years later does the remake of the thing or a reimagining if you want to call it and it's that's, a great oh, flick okay. it's one of my favorite horror movies of oh all it time. is it's very it's good so good um, another discussion for another day though yeah but um, so I think it it cuts back to Tommy and Lindsay and Lori. So Tommy and Lindsay are watching the thing. Um, and Tommy attempts to scare Lindsay, gets up and hides behind the curtain. And he's like, Lindsay. <laughs> um, yeah. And she's Lindsay. like, where are you? Yeah. And he's hiding behind the curtain in front of the window. And then he kind of looks back out at the window and he sees Michael carrying Dude, Annie's bo- limp body in back into the house. And so, Tommy's like staring. I think Lindsay like approaches him and then he starts screaming and they're both screaming. And then Lori comes in and is like, why are you scaring Lindsay? And she, he's like, it's the boogeyman. The boogeyman's outside. And you know, Lori's like, there's no such thing as the boogeyman. She's like, stop and, it. If you don't cut it out, I'm going to shut the TV off and send you to bed. And, yeah. And he's like, nobody believes me. And Lindsay's like, I believe you, Tommy. Right. So and, cute. And so. she's like, even though you just try to scare the crap out of me, you're yeah. still a cool boy. Yeah. <laughs> And then it cuts to a shot of um, the bullies. They're outside of the Myers house or the spook house. And, like, you know, they're daring each other to go up to the spook house and, like, knock. So, you know, there's, like, the three of them. Go ahead, Lonnie. Yeah. And then um, the doc, Dr. Loomis, is there. So he's, like, in the bushes. And then he's like, hey, Lonnie, 
get move your ass, get out of here. Yeah, and then it scares all the bullies away. <laughs> and then the sheriff comes up behind the doctor, and the doctor gets a little spooked. And, and you feel like you can definitely tell the doctor's like satisfied that he scared the kids away, like yeah, a little bit then, of Halloween spirit there. Yeah, kind of snaps back to reality when yeah. the sheriff appears, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, I thought it was uh, you know, so then. They're kind of like talking and, you know, he's like, oh, he, has he come or whatever? And they're, uh, the mm-hmm. doctor kind of says something to the effect of um, death has come to your little town. And then the sheriff says, well, you know, if that's true, damn you for letting him go. Right. But technically it wasn't the doctor's fault. It was the right. asylum's fault. Right. Um, and then. And then it cuts to Linda and Bob. They're Fair. finally showing up to the Wallaces. <laughs> they show up. So like Bob has a van. An yeah. awesome van. So, he, but like, he has the creepy teardrop van. So he has a van. Why are they going to their friend who's Friend's babysitting house. at a stranger's house to, you know? Yeah. He has a van. Right. Make it work in the van. I know. The, I know. But I think they also want to party because yeah. they're already crushing Budweisers in the van. Like, True. It's funny when they open the door. It's like you just hear the cans rustle around <laughs> on the floor. Yeah, that's that's spill out point. onto the pavement. Yep. And then they get into the house and they open the door and it's like pitch black. Like to- all the lights are off. It's totally dark. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, then um, Linda. and then it's funny because before they go in the house and this is something I always picked up on that I didn't and maybe because they were drunk but he's like so first I tear your clothes off and then we and then they're, they're going through this process of whose clothes they're going to tear off and he's like First, I tear off your blouse, and she's like, "Don't tear my blouse; it's expensive, you idiot." Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then he's like, "And then we'll t- tore off uh, Annie's clothes, and then we'll tore off Lindsay's clothes." And I'm like, "What?" Oh Lindsay? yeah, I caught that. That was so creepy. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard that. Yeah, I was like, "Bitch, do not touch this child." <laughs> so I'm glad I'm not the only one else, Ooh, you know, that I didn't pick yeah. up. Yeah, you know, I'm glad it wasn't just me that picked up on that. And I don't know if that was just a movie flub. To or... be fair, does Bob know? Does Bob know that Lindsay's a child? Yeah, I don't <laughs> but know. Still, but it's I, I thought that was just kind of like, I don't know if that was a movie mistake or they, they were just wrong, but I, yeah, I, it, it was just kind of, I, yeah. I definitely picked up on that. A little off-putting. Yeah. So. But so they go inside and when they realize no one's there, I think Linda calls. Yeah, Lori. Lori. Well, I think they make out a little bit. Yeah. A bit, yeah. And then Michael's watching. He's watching. Yeah. You they know, he's a watcher. He's room. a voyeur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Linda calls Lori to be like, oh, you know, where's Annie at? And, you know, Lori's like, oh, I think she went to go pick up Paul. And so then. Yeah. You know, and you can kind of like, tell. Oh, she's gone. Yeah. And then you can kind of tell, like, in Lori's voice, like, oh, I think she she should have been back by now or something. And and and, um, and yeah. So uh, Linda realizes, yeah, OK, Lindsay's over next door. She's like, yeah, we She's like, have a good, Lori's like, have a good time. And, and Linda's like, we definitely will. We totally yeah. will. <laughs> yeah, we I don't de- even know. We definitely yeah. you know, will. And yeah. Which, so like they kind of, uh, they so like they get upstairs really quickly or whatever. And like, not to be, not to be rude, but like, didn't seem like it was a, it was like a very long kind of quick <laughs> it's kind of quick right yeah. <laughs> well we don't know what the time lapse is in the movie anyway bada bing bada boom <laughs> but apparently it was a good enough bit. to light up a cigarette well and in the house yeah that's not their house i know but, it, but back it, then smoking in the house was like that was normal right Dude, like going into yeah. a bar and not having an ashtray was not normal that's fair like i, I grew up knowing that houses had ashtrays 
I think one of my grandparents said that, you know, sometimes you'd go to the doctor and the doctor would be like, oh, do you want to smoke? Yeah. Like, what? What a crazy time. Everyone was smoking. Um, What I also liked about the scene is while they're getting it on, the jack-o'-lantern that's in the bedroom that's carved, it's lit. It's lit. So I... (laughs) But it's usually most people don't have jack-o'-lanterns carved, like, lit up in their bedrooms. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like no, I'm, I'm with you. And, but I, I thought it was cool. and then But it also illuminates Michael's shadow as he's watching them. And, mm. and yeah, again, it was definitely a quickie. In my opinion. I would have been yeah. like, that's it? <laughs> well, um, Bob's like, well, I w-, he's like, why don't you get me a beer? And <laughs> Linda's like... No, you get me a beer. Yeah. And he's like, all right. So he says, <laughs> I'll be right back, oh, idiot. Yeah. And then he says, don't get dressed. But we all know he's he already said it. Bye, Bob. He's Just already saying. said it. He so he goes downstairs. That. Yep. Looking around. And before he knows it, he hears something. He turns and looks at the closet. And as soon as he open, goes to open the closet, Michael comes out. Grabs him by the throat and picks him up with one hand. Yep. And he has a huge knife in the other, and he just jams it right through Bob's yeah thorax or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> and he, just sticks him to the wall. Which pin, yeah, he I don't know how pin. because he was that was a cabinet. So that's what I, I you know was what like, I mean. He's pinned but, to the pantry right now. Yeah. He's pinned to the pantry. That's one strong ass pantry. <laughs> They don't build them like that Must anymore. Must be mahogany. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Must have been mahogany. Right? Yeah. And uh, Michael just stares at him, like, just cocks his yeah. head one way. Yeah. And then like just kind of looks at it like, oh, I just painted this. Like you a know? curious little kid. <laughs> I know. I know. And, and Bob, you know, he heard the, he heard the rustling, and, and he thought there was somebody playing a joke on him. So yeah. he's yeah. like, Linda, you asshole. And yeah. Nope, or Linda. Annie or Paul, yeah. he thought at the time. Yeah. But so then... Um, a sh- um, a some someone in a in a sheet a ghost sheet with Bob's glasses appears you know in the doorway, um, and Lin- so Linda thinks it's Bob and she's and, like real cute Bob yeah real cute. and then she's and then she like shows shows them them girls you yeah. know those, those um, boobies those boobies and she's like see anything you like and then she's like can't I get your ghost Bob. I like that part. I like that line. What's the matter? Can I get your ghost, Bob? And so, fun fact, at that time, um, PJ Souls was dating um, Dennis Quaid. And oh. when they went to the premiere, obviously, they were in attendance. And as soon as she says that line, one of the guys, like, right in front of her was like, yeah, I do. And <laughs> he, Dennis Quaid's like, do you want me to do something about it? And she's like, no, no, no. She was just happy to see someone actually, like, responded to. Yeah, I thought it was a funny quote. Oh, yeah. And and, and then so Bob in, the, in his ghost sheet isn't answering. And, and she's like, well, can't you answer me? It was my beer. And, and no response, just a heavy breathing. And mm. you can tell she's, like, kind of starting to get freaked out and she's like fine don't answer me boy are you weird and then she goes she's like, i'm gonna call aunt Lynn, uh Lynn, yeah Lynn, i'm gonna call Lori. i want to know where yeah she's like this is going nowhere so she calls Lori yeah. to try to find out where annie is so when Lori picks up michael comes behind linda and starts choking her so i feel like you know um Lori thinks it's like Linda 
Because the way she's the sound she's making while she's being yeah. choked, or she thinks it's Danny. Yeah, she it sounds like moaning probably to her. Yeah, she's, yeah. But they're being choked. <laughs> she says, "All right, Annie. First I heard your famous eating or chewing. Now I get your famous squealing." Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's already been kind of pranked before with the yeah. lack of an answer when the so, last time she was called. So she thought it was just someone else having fun across the street. Right. <laughs> And then, um, yeah, so Michael strangles Linda with the telephone cord, and, and Lori hears it, and, and she's like, are you fooling around again? I'll kill you if this is a joke. And then Michael's kind of, like, picked up the, the phone receiver, and it's like, you hear Lori going, Annie, and then Annie, and, and Michael's just kind of, like, not saying anything, and hangs up the phone, and, and she looks out the window, and I think the lights in the house across the street they kind of go on, then off, then back on again. Yeah. Yeah. So so she goes to check on the kids. Yeah. Um, but they're asleep in the parents' bed, what I assume. Yeah. Um, and then, so Dr. Loomis, who apparently has been walking around, um, <laughs> he walks by the station wagon that was stolen. He finds the station yeah. wagon. And I actually have a fun fact about this part. Ooh, so when he does walk by the station wagon, he's in front of the Myers house on Meridian Street in South Pasadena. But then when the camera cuts to him running down supposedly the same street, he is now actually on Genesee Street in West Hollywood, West Hollywood, 16 miles away, also just down the street from where the car is on 1356 Genesee is Nancy's house from A Nightmare on Elm Street at 1428 Genesee. Oh, wow. Cool. So that's like, me. I need to go there just to... I know, right? So many things to see. Crying out loud. So anyway, uh, yeah, Dr. Loomis sees the station wagon, so he's he knows Michael's has to be in this area. Mm. Yeah, and I think because there was no answer over at the Wallaces that Lori decides to go investigate mm. um, because... You know, obviously she's concerned. So she goes over, you know, it's all the lights are off. It's quiet. She's, you know, looking around. She goes upstairs and she finds Annie um, in the guest bed, dead um, on the bed with um, Judith Myers gravestone right behind her. So I thought that was, that's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, she's like, for, Obviously, Lori is like distraught because she just found her friend. And then I'm not so when she's backing away, you know, kind of in shock. I'm not quite sure, but like Bob's body just kind of just fl- falls, down, falls yeah. down from the closet or whatnot. Yeah. Which is spooky, you know, mm-hmm. not great. Dead body, scary. She kind of flings herself back by a closet yep, or cabinet. Or a ca- another pet pa- cabinet, yeah, yep. of sorts for clothes. And they're. There's the Linda. door opens and there's Linda. There's Linda. In there. Linda. So she yeah. leaves the room and she's near the staircase by another pitch black entryway. And just slowly but surely you start seeing Michael's face glow. Mm. They actually yeah. use a dimmer to provide that effect. And he goes to stab her and just gets her right between the arm. And he, she yeah. falls right over the banister. Yeah, the banister and falls yep. down to the lower part of the stairs. He like just gets her sleeve. Yeah. Oh, mm. Close call. Yep. The other yeah. thing also I thought, bad fall. <laughs> when I Linda's body, I mean it was cramped in there pretty good and in a yeah. weird angle. I'm like, I wonder how PJ Souls like she must have had help to get in that 
freaking small space. I bet. Maybe. She was definitely like stuffed in there. Yeah, she seemed like the tallest one out of the three girls. So. <laughs> well, she was also wearing like clogs earlier oh, she in the was, movie. So. Yeah, like wedges. So yeah. she was pretty tall. Yeah, but yeah, that, yeah. And oh, when she falls over the banister, I was like, that's my fear right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering oh. how she's not like paralyzed or whatever. Or something, yeah. You know? She, but she, um, in a panic, she gets up, and you see Michael start heading down the staircase. Which, by the way, I think that's the scene where you you look up at him from the top of the staircase as he mm. starts to descend. That's where the thing uh, from another planet ah, references. Got it. Uh, it could be that, or in the Myers house later, or the other Doyle's house later. My apologies. That's okay. Um, so then she runs across the street somehow. We don't know how she didn't sustain a leg injury from that. She like tries to yeah. go out through the back door at the walls. This house. It was like a rake. Oh right. yeah, a rake falls on it. I think he put it there. Or purpose. put it there. Yeah. Wait. So my thing is, she spent way too much time trying yeah. to get out that back door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like. Come on, Lori. She finally punches one of the glass panes About out. damn time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's glass. You can do that. You, you don't yeah. have to be the Just, Hulk. He's coming to murder yes. you. Like, move faster. Yeah. So that's how she breaks out and then and gets across the street. She tries to run over to a neighbor and she's like crying for help and limping. Yeah. And they just shut the damn porch <laughs> but, lights off. They're like, nope, not tonight. Nope. Yeah. And she's wow. like, can't you hear me? Oh my God. And so, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah. And then, yeah, she makes it across the street and then, you know, she's like, knocking and banging and she's like Tommy she doesn't have her keys yeah she lost the keys so she I think she throws like a planter pot up at the window yeah and he finally like wakes up and and he's like what taking his sweet ass time to get (laughs) to the door like she's like let me in he's like yeah okay it's just suspenseful because you just see him walking across the street and you're like oh it doesn't take long to cross the street at night but here comes Michael (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. very suspenseful because you're like Tommy I don't even know if he went back to bed like yeah yeah, so anyways, she gets she gets into the house and she tells Tommy, you know, do as I say, like, because I think she tells him to go upstairs and, and lock knows, him and Lindsay yeah. upstairs. And he knows the boogeyman. And so he's like, it's the boogeyman. She's like, hurry. Yeah. Yep. And then so she's in like the living room because she, she, I think the phone has been like cut. Like the, something's not something's working. Yeah, up the, the phone, phone didn't work right mm-hmm. away. So. Yeah. And then she um sees like a draft in the window yeah so she yeah she's kind of like leaning against the couch and she's by her bag so earlier in the movie you kind of see a shot of her like knitting so she her bag has like some knitting needles so she you know she's yeah sees that window with the draft and then she's like by her bag by the couch she's kind of like waiting and then sure enough he appears and what does she do stab with the knitting needle right in the neck and it gets him a little bit but not much. I love I love his motion where he just kind of grabs it and then just boom, just collapses right to the I floor. I thought that was pretty funny too. Um, and so she goes up to the upstairs, I think, at the time. Um, and then also, I think it cuts to a shot like the doctors in the neighborhood. Um, and uh, so she goes upstairs to check on the kids, um, and she tells them, you know, oh, like you know, I killed him. But then, sure enough. Michael comes up the stairs and is like, right. And Tommy says, nobody can kill the boogeyman. Yeah. And and then he's, yeah, there. And then, yeah, he appears. And then she tells them to lock themselves in the bathroom. And then, you know, she runs into the master bedroom and opens up the balcony, which right there, there's no way in Illinois they have a balcony. It's like, <laughs> no one wants to deal with snow in their house on a balcony. Maybe, Maybe. in a nice house in Illinois. Maybe. But then she goes into that, um, that, that um, folding 
closet where she shuts the doors yep. and she puts a t- uses a necktie to tie up the knobs on the inside which by the way I don't think there'll be knobs inside the closet <laughs> but that, that's a good point there hmm, huh. good point yeah I don't know yeah, I've never <laughs> but yeah she opens up like the balcony doors to like make it look like she jumped out or whatever but then yeah, yeah immediately goes in the closet um, but so obviously Michael doesn't fall for that yeah but so, he, yeah, they have, like, a little bit of a struggle in the closet there. He's, like, breaking out the doors. And then I think she stabs him with a, a wire hanger. <laughs> yeah, she's the wire hanger. No wire and hanger. She just pokes him in the eye. And then he, like, he withers in pain and then just collapses on the floor again. Again. So she leaves the closet. She goes gets the kids and tells them, run down the street. Go. Go. I forget which house it is. The McKenzie's. The McKenzie's, oh, thank yeah, you. And call 911 get help. And the kids run out the door screaming. And that's when Dr. Loomis sees where they're coming from. So he starts heading towards the Wallace residence. Yep. And as he is, Lori's sitting on the floor and just like thinking like relieved like she got him. And it's such a wonderful shot because you can see Michael behind her laying down. And then... And as I'm laying back from the microphone, so you guys can't hear me trying to like, you know, um, replicate this, you just see Michael just sit up, like no help needed, just yeah. sit up, like perfect 90 degree position. And he gets up. And as he gets up, she gets up. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she's trying to, she's about ready to go down the stairs. But then Michael comes behind her and starts strangling her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, Dr. Loomis pops in. I think there's one point, sorry. But no, no, like okay. when he's strangling her, she like she's oh, fighting right. back and she gets his mask off mm. at that oh, point. Which, by the way, um, a little fun fact about that. Um, for years after Halloween was released, people would tell writer-director John Carpenter how horrified they were by Michael Myers' grotesquely disfigured face. Glimpsed when Laurie pulls the mask off for a moment towards the end of the film or at this scene... But actually, all they saw was the ordinary face of the actor Tony Moran playing the role. Ouch. Perfectly normal, except for the small knife wound inflicted by Laurie during this. Well, not knife wound, but the, uh, the hanger, the hanger wound, yeah. wound um, during the closet scene, um, which was created using special effects makeup. Carpenter cites, this is evidence of the power of suggestion in cinema that the audience saw a monster on screen. So assume that yeah. he look like a monster. That's great. Because like I personally, I was like. I thought it was just like a regular guy, but that for that poor actor, like I'm yeah. sure he probably had self-esteem <laughs> issues for a well, little bit. Uh, yeah, I thought his face was a little messed up, but it's because of Lori, you know, t- attacking him. And, He's had and, a busy but, night. But, but you like, know? Tony's face when she pulls off the mask, it's just as expressionless as the mask right. itself. True. Just yes. with, you know, he, you can see his eyes. But the thing about the mask from one and two is you don't see his eyes. Right. And no. I think that's more powerful than yeah. when you get to like four and five, when it's you like see his eyes, like mm. in the terrible mask. Well, that's another story. <laughs> that's another a whole episode. nother topic. I, I like so. how, um, the way Michael gets up, like after he's been stabbed with the, the clothes hanger and I'm like, he must've been doing some serious like ab work. To be able to, <laughs> like he must've been doing those crunches. Like I couldn't, I couldn't sit up like that and like, 90 degree angle like yeah. it know. was robotic how he <laughs> it did was it was very too. robotic yeah. yeah um i just thought it was interesting how like she does get his mask off of him and then he like i think he lets her go at one point to put it back on it's like mm. he 
is hiding behind the mask. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some sort of symbolism. Right. He takes more time to put on the mask and doesn't matter what's happening with if she's running. And as soon as he gets the masks back on his face, Loomis starts firing his his uh, his pistol at him. He unloads on yeah. this man <laughs> six times, I counted. But yep. also, he had a revolver, so Correct. that's all you get. So but, he yeah. runs upstairs after the first couple of shots, and you see him kind of sh- like you know, kind of back shoot away. backwards towards the room that they were just in, and Loomis just fires, fires, fires yep. to the point where Michael he... steps backwards outside the open balcony, which Lori opened earlier. Yep, and he falls backwards off the balcony onto the ground. Yes. And, like, for a moment, you're kind of like, yes. And, like, even Loomis looks like he's like, yes. But, and then I think, so Lori looks up and he said, she says, was that the boogeyman? And, you know, uh, I forget what the doctor says. He says, says, as a matter of fact, fact, it was. was. That's what he (laughs) says. Um, But then, you know, when Doc goes to look back outside. He's gone. He's gone. And you notice how Loomis's face is expressionless. He's like, mm. I knew it. Um, Damn. Yeah. Fun fact about this. Originally, the script had Dr. Loomis having a surprise reaction to the disappearance of his body, of Michael's body from the lawn at the film's ending. Donald Pleasant suggested that his character's reaction should be instead something like, I knew this would happen. Yeah. And they shot it both ways, and they ended up using Pleasant's idea instead of mm. Carpenter's. Nice. Yeah, and like I think Laurie just starts sobbing at this point yep. too. And, and I thought the ending was very climatic in terms of after his body's gone, and then they have the theme song, you know, the do 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 do, and then they they go back. They have shots of everywhere that he has been, like in the house. They have yeah. like the couch. They have the um, you know, the the front house, the front facade of the Wallaces, the front facade of the Doyles, and and. And then the stairs and the side, the, the Wallaces and, and everywhere that he's been. It's, it's yeah, yeah, like flashes of I, each scene. I think it's just a way of letting the viewer know that he could be anywhere at any time. Right. Ooh, and I like so that. it's, I think it made it more mysterious. And then the very last picture is, uh, is of the, the Myers house, right? Is the last frame. And then you hear the heavy breathing and then it, it's black. Yeah. It just yeah. goes right out. And then that's the end of Halloween from 78. That's the end. Um, If you've ever seen this on TV, just another fun fact. uh, Michael Myers' full name is mentioned in the television version of the film. In the scene where Dr. Loomis asks to have him move to a maximum security hospital, the doctor he is speaking to say his full name is Michael Audrey Myers. Really? Interesting. So he does have a middle name. Audrey. Is is that a gender neutral name? I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, I'm ne- okay. I I've never so, yeah. met a I man think... named Audrey, but okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Good there's, to know. there's been wonder, men in history named Aubrey. I, I wonder. Audrey. I wonder where they came up with that. If there's a significance to that middle name somewhere, because mm-hmm. it is pretty unique. It is, but probably back in those days, it was common. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to research that some more. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like you look back in the 70s and 60s, not a lot of people were named Aiden as compared no. to the babies being born in the last 15 years. So oh, yeah. God. 15, yeah, don't remind years. me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think we all know an Aiden at this point. Anyway. Or a Brayden. Or a Caden. Or a Jaden. <laughs> we could go on. Anyways. Oh, <laughs> Out of those, I actually know three that are ne- nephews. So. Oh, goodness. Oh, wow. it's a, yeah, it's very common. A Caden, so. a Jaden, and a uh, Aiden. Oh, my. Wow. So um, what else is there to say about this movie, really? It's... 
It's a classic. Classic, one of the best of all time. As I said earlier, it's not the first horror movie to be a a slasher or be um, a hollow, not a Halloween, but like a a holiday inspired horror movie. It was just, I just think John Carp- Carpenter did something special with his cast and his crew, and Deborah Hill, of course, yeah. and yeah, it was just like I don't know if I want to call it lightning in a bottle, but it definitely. It's it's set a standard for horror movies and slasher movies going forward. Definitely, yeah. And and for me, like I, you know, for me, like what made this movie great is, you know, the music and the the cinematography and and the locations, you know, um, and, and the fact that they did it on a three hundred thousand dollar budget and and everybody kind of chipped in where they had to to make this film a success. It was very grassroots, and it even like you know. It makes me like think that maybe we could all do a horror movie, right? Like, you know, and, well, and be successful. Like if they can be successful, anybody could. Well, think of like other um, other directors, like yeah, um, Wes Craven mm-hmm. when he made Last House on the Left. Yeah, make, that came before yeah. Halloween. But then you look at Ted, Ted and Sam Raimi making Evil Dead. Yeah, mm-hmm. and on even their like budget. Blair Witch was, I think, kind of a yeah. In, in a oh, lot definitely. of indie movies today, yeah. I mean, you look at. Um, movie companies like Troma and yeah. Full Moon, like those are very independent. I mean, obviously they got more of a budget now because they've been around yeah. for a bit yeah, and have a following. But start, yeah, you know. that's it. We're we're making a horror movie. All right. <laughs> well, it's so it's funny you say that. So Assault and Precinct Thirteen yeah. came out before this, and John Carpenter scored it. Donald Pleasance really only took the job for Halloween is because. His daughter was in a punk rock band in England at the time, and she loved the music from Assault on Precinct oh, 13. Wow. So when she told her father, she's like, what? John? He's like, you got to do it. Yeah. And so there he is. That's awesome. See, the, word of mouth helps out a lot. Definitely. <laughs> probably the best decision he ever made. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, yep. But yeah, so I, I just, again, it's a, it's a classic, and it, it's down the road so many, it's referenced in so many other horror films, and, and it's iconic. Yeah. It's a huge franchise. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Meg? Yeah, I I agree with everything and um, you know, definitely I like the character of Michael Myers a lot, you know, without this first, you know, this origin kind of story, there wouldn't be like the franchise that there is. Um, you mm. know, and Michael is such a interesting type of horror character. Um, and you know, I think that the um, the fe- the female like characters are kind of relatable in one way or the other. Where, you know, Linda's kind of the cheerleader. She's kind of you know, a little ditzy, totally. a little fun. yeah, exactly. And then there's Annie, who's like a little bit sarcastic and like a little bit snooty. She's more of a kinda. spitfire. Yeah, definitely. And then there's Lori, who you know, she's like she's the goodie, but like she wants, you know, she wants to be, you know, she wants to be a little bit more adventurous, yeah, but she has her priorities. Yeah. That's set straight. So, so she, I think there's like relatable on different levels with the female, yeah. you know, the main protagonist. Yeah. And this movie really also highlighted the final girl. Yes. As well. Yes. Like, yes, we've had final girls like, you know, Marilyn at the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre or, or, um, or any other movie like that that has a female cast member that has yeah. survived the traumatic experience. But when any when anybody talks about a final girl, 
it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. Yeah. End yep. of story. She's and the scream queen. She too. is the scream she queen. Set, yep. She set the standards. She raised the bar. Yeah. And she did. This movie raised the bar for everything. Definitely. Listen, I'm not going to beat around the bush. This movie's a five. It's a five for me. It's a five too. stone. This movie's legendary. It. I can't say anything more about it, even though I've said this quote five million times in this podcast. This this movie set the standard. It, yep. It's a five. It can't. If I said anything lower, movie even, is great. Even a I four point nine burnt me at the stake. So. Yeah, it's gonna, a five. I'm gonna give it a three. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> a five, of course. It, I mean, I, 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 yeah, this movie's just. Yeah, you can't. I I don't think I can. You know, get close to like spooky season without watching it at least like once or twice. I mean, know? I can't get through Halloween without. I mean, listening to the soundtrack or the silver shamrock from part three or even like last year i carved a jack-o'-lantern with michael myers face on it so i mean it's right? yeah since this movie came out all, so many people watch this on halloween hmm. yeah i mean even the uh the universal monsters and everything that's come out after it the horror i'm sorry the hammer series of horror movies just this this movie is taken over october in the season it just even trick yeah. or treat as good as it is. I'm sorry, Halloween can't compare. is you. You really it. You can't compare because I I hate to say it. Everybody kind of want to believes in the boogeyman a little bit. You know? Oh, definitely. I mean, and, and that's like what this movie's all about. And 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 Halloween is is embracing that little that part of the boogeyman that Def- we all kind of want to experience. Definitely, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> so, needless to say, we are giving this movie. A perfect five. Five. Woo! Didn't mean to startle you. That's all right. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? All right. Any final thoughts on the uh, the movie before we sign off? Any any um, shout outs? Any thanks? Um, other than I just want to say shout out to my spouse, Tony, Tony, Tony. You've done it again. Um, just supporting me in this endeavor and and Christopher Robert Blank, Christine Mistretta, Jimmy Pritchard, Gaetano Zanelli, and, and Stephen Irish. Thank you for all your inputs this week. Yeah, thanks guys for listening and uh, tuning in and following us and um, you know supporting the podcast. Really appreciative. Um, you know, just and happy happy to take in your feedback and all that and happy to be here. And I would like to give one special shout out because our top fan, according to Facebook, on Facebook, our top fan two weeks in a row is uh, Jimmy Pritchard. So you go. You're awesome. Woo! Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> thank you. Um, obviously, thank you, too, for being here and helping out with the podcast. We got a event this Sunday or last Sunday when you guys hear this. Um, <laughs> hear this podcast is going to be the Wednesday a few days after. Um, we're watching Friday the 13th here at the brewery. Woo-woo. Obviously, we'll, we Part will have two. been a making a couple more posts about it on our Facebook page. Yeah. Um, thank you to my girlfriend, Casey, for really, uh, you know, cheering me along and, you know, knowing that I love doing this and making sure I watch my horror movies, you know, and even sometimes watching them with me. Aww. Sometimes I watch the movie and she's like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I appreciate her more than the world right now. So, um thank you to all our listeners and everyone that's helped us out along the way you guys have been nothing short of awesome um 
best thing, like I said, word of mouth uh, helps us out substantially. Um, show people our Facebook and Instagram pages. Our tags are at Monster Talk Podcast. Uh, if you want to send us an email, just say hello or whatever. Share something with us. Email is themonstertalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's themonstertalkpodcast at gmail.com. On our Facebook and Instagram as well, if you go on our web page or look in our bio, you're going to see our link tree. The link tree is going to get you connected to everything we're on, all our platforms and our social media. Again, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Audible and Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and a few others, including Radio Public, Pocket Casts, and iHeartRadio app. Check us out. Heck yes. So as we sign out, this is Christopher from the Black Lagoon. And Reanimator Rob. And Meg the Mortician. See you guys next Wednesday. This has been Monster Talk. Monster Talk.